Hello and welcome to the Movie Change Up Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Fricky. Uh, this is the Movie Change Up Podcast, like I said, and we're celebrating the month of Bond with No Time to Die coming out uh, October 8th of next month. In this episode, we're doing a bracket of Bond where we've seeded all 24 James Bond movies based on the Rotten Tomato, sco- Rotten Tomato score in a bracket of 24. And me and my co-hosts will be picking the winners uh, of each matchup. But before we get started on this bracket and picking which you know movies will advance and figuring out which movie is the best Bond movie of all via this kind of bracket competition, let me introduce my co-hosts. Uh, we'll start with someone who hasn't been on the podcast in a few weeks. Johnny, uh, you've had a wedding to go to and you've been busy with work, so what are your thoughts? You've missed out on the, a, lo- a little bit of the uh, month of Bond, your favorite film franchise, so uh, what are your thoughts to join us today? Yeah, I'm bummed. This was like my favorite month leading up to it. Real excited. And uh, yeah, like you said, work's been uh, crazy. I've had a lot of things to do. Congrats to my cousin who got married. But driving four hours to Charlevoix and then going to a wedding and driving the next day at 8 a.m. back four hours wasn't was a little exhausting. So I'm looking forward to having some off days and being able to podcast again. Um, but yeah, uh, it's the month of Bond. I'm excited for No Time to Die. Some of the reviews are coming out. I'm trying not to read anything, but... From the few things I saw, uh, it sounds like general consensus is that it's pretty good. So we'll see uh, how that plays out. I will be seeing that um, when it comes out. I have that day requested off work. That's a big day for me. So James Bond day. Um, But I'm excited for the bracket. I uh, have missed some of your episodes. I don't know everyone's complete thoughts. I've seen your own individual rankings and stuff of of the movies, but I don't know everyone's complete thoughts and feelings about a lot of these. So I'm excited to see how we differ in those opinions. I'm excited to see who agrees um, and disagrees on these. So I think we'll have some good upsets because I think Joe mentioned this, but yeah, we just ranked them from Rotten Tomato score. So Goldfinger number one and uh, A View to a Kill number 24 and everything else in between. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, just what ends up, coming out i have a good feeling of what's going to win but i want to see the journey to get there all right and uh tristan same question to you what are your thoughts on this whole bracket of bond yeah it's going to be a fun journey this is kind of feels like a finale of watching all these movies and talking about them all so much it's all kind of built up to this like okay what's the actual best of bond so this has been something that's been on my mind throughout the whole marathon like watching two in a back-to-back thinking okay which of these two would i pick if i was doing a bracket and i knew this was coming so it's kind of you couldn't help but think about comparing the movies as you're watching and knowing this is going to happen. So, yeah, it'll be fun. You got uh, me and Joe's rankings last week, but a ranking is one thing, and I think a bracket is much different because there's a different strategy to like, okay, this is a movie versus a movie versus like, okay, what's your favorite of the movies? You know, <laughs> it's going to be a, a fun discussion. And yeah, our differing opinions are definitely coming to a head. I think there'll be some easy picks. There's definitely going through here some easy, obvious answers, at least in my opinion. But uh, it'll be fun when we get down to, to the other rounds that have some some much harder cuts, especially as we get some movies that both of us are, are big fans of and all three of us are big fans of. All right. And uh, we should probably get started. I'll read down the rankings and uh, put it on screen so you guys can see a little bit of what the overall rankings are for these movies. And kind of the Goldfinger bracket, we got uh, uh, in the number one spot, we got Goldfinger at 16, Spectre at 17, Diamonds Are Forever. At 9, we have GoldenEye. At 24, we have A View to a Kill. And at number 8, we have The Spy Who Loved Me. 
And what um, a great bracket there. Moving down the list, at uh, number four we have Casino Royale. At thirteen we have You Only Live Twice. At twenty we have Die Another Day. At twelve we have For Your Eyes Only. At twenty-one The World Is Not Enough. And at number five, Skyfall. Feel a little bit like Greg Gumble here reading down uh, the picks on Selection <laughs> Sunday, but uh, at number two, uh, Doctor No. At 15, Quantum of Solace. At 18, Moonraker. At 10, License to Kill. At 23, Octopussy. And at 7, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And then finally, in the From Russia with Love uh, corner of the bracket, we have at 3, From Russia with Love. At 14, Live and Let Die. At 19, Tomorrow Never Dies. At 11, The Living Daylights. At 22, The Man with the Golden Gun. And at number six, Thunderball. So, without further ado, we'll pull up the full bracket, and we can all read a little bit of the description, and we can see uh, what movie will advance to face Casino Royale in the second round. And uh, in this round, we have Spectre versus Diamonds Are Forever, and I will pull up a quick description of those movies and i have a lot of stuff pulled on my phone right now so it's gonna take me a second and uh it's somewhere and specter anomalous this is rough because they're two of the weaker entries i would say of the two bonds (laughs) these this this is the matchup to decide what loses to goldfinger essentially because the winner of this is basically just going in to you know, Goldfinger gets a nice buy and then uh, gets to face off against one of these All one right. of these chumps. This is like a playing round game in the March Madness brackets. All right, and uh, Spectre, you know the little description. It's uh, directed by Sam Mendes from 2015, starring Daniel Craig. A cryptic message from Bond's past sends him on a trail to uncover a sinister organization. While M battles political forces to keep the Secret Service alive. Bond peels back the layers of deceit to reveal the terrible truth behind Spectre. And then as far as diamonds are forever, uh, it's probably not the best way to do this, but we'll figure it out. Diamonds are forever, directed by Guy Hamilton from 1971. Uh, Obviously stars Sean Connery. And diamonds are stolen only to be sold again in the international market. James Bond infiltrates a smuggling mission to find out who's guilty. The mission takes him to Las Vegas, where Bond meets his arch enemy Blofeld. And uh, what are your? Uh, we'll start with Johnny. What? What? What is, what is your choice to advance to the next round? So it's tough here because um, I'm a I'm a a Spectre apologist. I, I think I will say this: I love Spectre up until the Blofeld brother reveal. Um, and then everything after that is weakens the movie so much. But that first like hour or so of that movie, I think is super strong. It's a good kind of return to form of like old school Connery type film. Um, but with Daniel Craig, I love when he goes to visit uh, Mr. White, who's like dying in his, in his cabin. That's one of my favorite scenes of any movie. Um, and I love Dave Batista. I love, uh, the fight scene with Hinks on the train and diamonds are forever, um, is dumb and fun. Um, that basically they had to pay Sean Connery a million dollars. So they didn't have much of a budget to do anything else. And that shows, but 
but it has a lot of good stupid moments um like the astronauts or people dressed up like astronauts pretending to like i think they were filming a scene and they have to chase after bond and they act like they're you know going in slow motion i like little moments like that i love charles gray as blofeld um but i i think i personally revisit specter i think diamonds are forever is probably my least favorite of the conneries even though it has some fun in there i love um obviously mr went and mr kid they're some of my favorite henchmen of all time but it's not enough of a complete movie to carry it even though specter falls off i think the first like hour and 20 movies or minutes like carry that one through over diamonds are forever for me so i choose specter on this one all right uh well that makes it interesting because my pick is diamonds are forever i love the fun camp i knew it would be um Spectre, while entertaining, and I, I wouldn't say I'm a full-on apologist of Spectre. I did enjoy it, but it's definitely my least favorite of the Daniel Craig movies. Diamonds Are Forever is my favorite Sean Connery Bond movie. That's uh, wild. That's a wild statement. Mr. Yes. Wint and Mr. Kidd are amazing henchmen. Uh, I love uh, Blofeld in this movie. Best, better Blofeld than uh, Christoph Waltz's Blofeld in Spectre. Definitely. Definitely. And uh, I like the Las Vegas uh backdrop and so my pick is diamonds are forever which means it goes to tristan and what is your pick to advance between diamonds are forever and specter i'm gonna keep mine quick because i think you guys covered the highs and lows of both of the movies pretty well here but when i first looked at lineup i thought oh for sure this is gonna be specter uh i mean it has problems but it much better than diamonds are forever but i think throughout the conversation i i fell for diamonds are forever a bit you know i think specter definitely falls off and has a couple of moments here and there, but I think the Daniel Craig Bond movies take themselves so much more seriously than this movie does that I hold it to a bit of a higher standard. So when they have a bunch of stuff that falls apart by the end, I, I'm a, it hurts the movie a bit more than it does for this. And when this is a movie that's just supposed to be fun, it's dumb, it's campy, it's late era Connery. He's kind of like wrapping up his time as Bond at this point, but we still have the iconography of Blofeld. We still have a much better song, I think, in this one uh, than Spectre has. And like I said, I like the performance uh, here, you guys both think agreed with me that the performance is better in Diamonds Are Forever than it is in Spectre for Blofeld. So I'm gonna. Plus, Joe's passion, I think, is the one that kind of pulled me over. You know, I don't have very passionate feelings about Spectre very much, but Joe saying this is his favorite Connery, you know, I wanted to give it the win for that. So that's good for Diamonds Are Forever. All right, round one, we got an upset. It's only the 17 over the 16, but you know, getting upsets already. All right, and our next uh, two movies. Uh, we have Goldeneye and A View to a Kill, so I will read the descriptions on those quickly. Uh, Goldeneye came out in 1995. Uh, it stars Pierce Brosnan, directed by Martin Campbell, who also directed the uh, Bond movie Casino Royale. When a powerful satellite system falls into the hands of Alec Trevelyan, a.k.a. Agent 006, a former ally turned enemy, only James Bond can save the world from an awesome space weapon that, in one short pulse, could destroy the Earth. As Bond squares off against his former compatriot, he also battles Trevelyan's stunning ally, Xenia Anatop, an assassin who uses pleasure as her ultimate weapon. And then for A View to a Kill, yeah, she does. Uh, we have, uh, it was directed by John Glenn and uh, came out in 1985. A newly developed microchip designed by Zorin Industries for the British government that can survive the electromagnetic radiation caused by a nuclear explosion has landed in the hands of the KGB. 
James Bond must find out how and why. His suspicions soon lead him to big industry leader Max Zorn. And I forgot to add, this stars Roger Moore with uh, Christopher Walken as the villain. And uh, so this one for me is kind of close uh, because... Uh, I really liked both. I like A View to a Kill a lot more than most people. A View to a Kill, very campy, very fun, where GoldenEye is a little bit more of a serious take on Bond. I, I like the aspect of Sean Bean as a 006 agent turned villain, which is something we've only ever seen in Skyfall as far as like a former spy turned kind of main villain. And I like that aspect a lot. And again, these movies are very close uh, to me as far as enjoyment level. However, uh, I think... Because of the fact that GoldenEye is the better made film, uh, my vote would go to GoldenEye. However, Tristan, where where are you leaning on this one? Yeah, it's definitely close for me too. I think Bond fans are probably surprised that it's so close to both of us, but we both came out surprisingly positive on A View to a Kill. I think both of these movies kind of rock. Like They're really both up there for me in terms of my favorites of the Bond movies and the two that I most definitely want to revisit more <laughs> like i think there's gonna be the two that are easy to throw on and just kind of have a good time and watch the dumb fun but yeah i mean there's no much there's not much of a debate here golden eye is just it does it better and as much as i love you to a kill i just think yeah golden eye has so many moments that i think are iconic to bond so many moments that are really impactful memorable that i'm always gonna like you have of course the iconic opening scene but the movie is more than just that opening scene and i think a view to a kill sometimes it feels like it's the camp and that's pretty much all you get you know and golden eye has a bit of camp, a bit of action, a bit of everything, you know, and I think that's a, a great Bond movie. All right. And, Johnny, obviously your vote doesn't matter. GoldenEye does advance, but uh, where were you leaning on on this one? I mean, it's obviously GoldenEye. This is not much of a discussion here. I, I do have a lot of love for A View to a Kill, but it's not a very good movie. It's got some issues, um, but it's so much fun. It's my second favorite Roger Moore Um behind one that I'm shooting for an upset for in the first round that we'll get to later. But uh, GoldenEye is not only one of my favorite Bond movies, but I grew up with it. That was the that was the Bond of the 90s, you know, and Pierce Brosnan, it was a big thing. And you get one of the best villains, you get one of the best henchmen with um, uh, Xenia, and you get one of the best Bond girls with Natalia. And I like uh, Boris, you know, I am invincible. I, I think GoldenEye... We'll see, uh, you know, when the powerhouses go up in this one. But I think GoldenEye, this is not going to be the first time it advances. All right. And uh, this is not the last time it advances. I will say that if a video kill advanced, if a video kill advanced, I think me and Joe would have a couple of good upsets throughout this. I think we would have some arguments. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'll tell you this right now. If a video kill advanced, it would definitely beat its next matchup with the spy who loved me. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, So, uh, next up, I believe we have. You Only Live Twice and Die Another Day. You Only Live Twice, directed by Lewis Gilbert, came out in 1967, starred Sean Connery. Uh, A mysterious spacecraft captures Russian and American space capsules and brings the two superpowers to the brink of war. James Bond investigates the case in Japan and comes face-to-face with his archenemy, Blofeld. And then Die Another Day is somewhere on here. Is... Die Another Day uh, came out in 2002, directed by Lee Tamahori. 
Uh, Bond takes on a North Korean leader who undergoes DNA replacement procedures that allow him to assume different identities. American agent Jinx Johnson, played by Halle Berry, assists Bond in his attempt to thwart the villain's plot to exploit a satellite that is powered by solar energy. Uh, this one, I'm going to be honest, uh, not expecting a long debate on, uh, because Die Another Day sucks. The, mu- the song in it sucks. Everything about it sucks. But, so I don't even know if I really have to go around the room and say uh, who everyone votes for. I know I'm voting for You Only Live Twice. Uh, I enjoy the movie. It's fun. It has its problematic moments, but everything about uh, Die Another Day is problematic. Surprisingly, both of them, maybe the only two with uh, kind of Asian-centric uh, plots for the most part, with uh, Die Another Day in North Korea and uh, You Only Live Twice having large segments in Japan. In J- in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, my vote, obviously, you only live twice. Uh, Johnny, where are you going? Yeah, Tying Another Day is the worst movie ever made in terms of Bond. I, I have some fun with it and some scenes. It's ridiculous. Um, and I have love for Pierce Brosnan, but you only live twice despite the problematic moments in it that obviously don't hold up. It is super fun. Japanese. You get, you get the, um... The Blofeld secret base, you get Donald Pleasance, you get the famous, you know, Scar aggressively petting his cat at one scene, I think almost kills his cat um, <laughs> by accident. You get you get some a lot of fun stuff. Um, you get Bond investigating. I, I have a lot of fun with you only live twice, and it's one I can throw on pretty much whenever and, and watch it and kind of just skip the uh, the super problematic parts. But but I like it and it's got one of the hottest Bond girls, so I'm gonna go with you only live twice. All right, and Kissy Suzuki, my girl. Just like last time with uh, Bobby's vote, Trist or Johnny's vote, Tristan, your vote doesn't matter. But uh, where would you have went? Look, my vote doesn't matter, but i i would have I would have I would have been tempted to lean die another day just to be an upset. But <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, die another day has a lot of fun, and there's a lot of things I I ha- we watched it live on uh, Twitch and YouTube. You can watch that on on here. Me, I did a first time watch, and Joe rewatched it along with me, but. I think it gets a lot of undue hate. I think it's a lot of fun. And I think a lot of the ridiculousness is totally intentional and like tongue in cheek. And I had a good time with it, but there's no competition really. Like Die Another Day, I wouldn't call it the worst Bond movie, but I would certainly put You Only Live Twice. There's a, yeah, they have, you guys listed off so many of the iconic moments and like how much else can you say? <laughs> it's, one of the, it's one of the, if you're talking iconic Bond this is up there with some of the stuff that I th- I'm sure is going to be talked about towards the end is like potential winners. But yeah, this is like a, one of the, one of the quintessential bonds for die another day or for you only live twice. So I'm going to go with that one. All right. Um, so next up, uh, we have, uh, for your eyes only and the world is not enough. Is that right? Yeah, yep. that's it. That's for it. Eyes. Um, yeah, for your Who's eyes. Starting on this one? Well, I was, I was going to say oh, for your eyes your only. Friends. Directed by John Glenn, came out in 1981. A British spy ship has sunk, and and on board was a high-tech encryption device. James Bond is sent to find the device that holds British launching instructions before the any, enemy Soviets get to it first. And uh, the world is not enough. Is not on my list for some reason. The I can read through it really enough quick. is James Bond uncovers a nuclear plot while protecting an oil 
heiress ah, from yeah. her former kidnapper, an international terrorist who can't feel pain. Which exactly. sounds ridiculous. And it is a bit ridiculous, but who's voting first? Uh, we'll let Tristan vote first. I don't know if I've had him uh, vote first. Yeah, this is rough because I do... Both of these, I think, are underrated Bonds in terms of the the person playing Bond. I think Roger Moore gets a lot of undue hate for being like the cheesy campy Bond, and yet this is one of his... his I mean, it's a it's a ridiculous movie, but it, for some somehow it's actually one of his more serious ones in, in a lot of ways. So I think it's, a, it's interesting in that regard. And I, but I also think Pierce Brosnan, despite really liking him a lot, he kind of to me feels like a one hit Bond. He has Goldeneye, and then everything else he he has is kind of just like up and down and not necessarily great. So this is a rough one for me because I don't love either one of these. I think these are both movies that have pros and cons and neither one of them is even close to the top for me of these bonds uh lists so for me i'm going to squeeze it out with uh for your eyes only to give roger moore a win here but that's uh all i got for you guys on that one all right so for your eyes only is your vote that's what i'm doing for your eyes only all right johnny all right, I'm, I'm going next then um all right for your eyes only is Critically, I think one of the one of the better Roger Moore movies, but honestly, it's my least favorite Roger Moore movie. Um, I think it's it has its moments. I really like um, how can you not love Topol in this movie as uh, Columbo? I like that they have the Cristados Columbo flip of you think this guy's going to be the villain, and then it turns out that the other dude is. I like that, but this movie also has the worst character besides J.W. Pepper ever in a Bond movie with BB the annoying little figure skater who's like 15 and trying to sleep with Bond. Very weird. Um, and you have this movie that's supposed to be this serious Bond movie, and then you still have scenes with the ice arena and Bond throwing henchmen in ice hockey gear into a net um, in an empty arena, and then the buzzer going off. You have the um, I've, you have the parrot scene at the end, which is one of the worst moments in Bond history. You get a lot of that, and the world is not enough. Outside of Denise Richards, I think if you just recast her, much like The Godfather 3, if you recast uh, Sofia Coppola, I think The World is Not Enough is a perfectly good Bond movie with a lot of fun moments, and I love Sophie Marceau as uh, Electra. I like that M is super involved. It's probably the most involvement you get from M outside of Skyfall. Um, the World is Not Enough has a lot of moments that I really like. It's a little ridiculous, the can't feel pain and you get a little bit of that hint of what might come next with die another day going way you know jumping the shark um and then jumping it about seven more times but the world is not enough has a lot of moments and it might be my second favorite brosnan outside of christmas jones so i'm definitely going the world's not enough here so i'm i'm voting for the upset and that makes joe's vote really matter here here we go all right I'll say this. The World is Not Enough has a lot of dumb moments in it. Christmas Jones is maybe an all-time bad Bond girl. Like, she's not great. However, every moment in For Your Eyes Only is terrible. It is my least favorite Bond movie. Uh, It's not good. And therefore, I'm not going to elaborate because they've kind of already said everything I want to say. The World is Not Enough, easily, no questions asked, gets my vote. I figured as much. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, Fear Eyes Only doesn't doesn't hold its footing anymore. And and with that, and it would help if I could type correctly, as all of our viewers can see. 
The world is not enough advances, which means another we, upset, baby. We move on to Quantum of Solace and Moonraker, which oh, wow. uh, should be an interesting matchup. Uh, I will pull that up. Quantum of Solace obviously came out in uh, 2008, starring Daniel Craig, directed by Mark Forster. Uh, Quantum of Solace continues the adventures of James Bond after Casino Royale. Betrayed by Vesper, the woman he loved, 007 fights the urge to make his latest mission personal. Pursuing his determination to uncover the truth, Bond and M interrogate Mr. White, who reveals that the organization that blackmailed Vesper is far more complex and dangerous than anyone had imagined. And uh, Moonraker is uh, where uh, Moonraker is uh, directed by Lewis Gilbert. Came out in '79, starring Roger Moore. After Drax Industries, Moonraker's space shuttle is hijacked. Secret agent James Bond is assigned to investigate. Traveling to California to meet the company's owner, the mysterious Hugo Drax, with the help of scientist Dr. Holly Goodhead, Bond soon uncovers Drax's nefarious plans for humanity, all the while fending off an old nemesis, Jaws, and venturing to Venice, Rio, the Amazon, and outer space. Alright, Johnny, what's your pick to move on between Quantum of Solace and Moonraker? Um, I, uh, I love Moonraker. It's so much fun. Again, it's kind of like a view to a kill in a way of like, it's a little over the top, but it's got a great villain. Um, I love Hugo Drax. He is probably my favorite villain in a Roger Moore movie. Um, I think his performance is great. It has a lot of good moments and it has some dumb things and going to space. Okay. They just like stole that from, you know, Star Wars was big, so they copied it, but Honestly, when I was rewatching the movies, I had way more fun with Moonraker than w- when I was a kid watching it. I love the boat chase. Um, but Quantum of Solace uh, is one of my favorite movies in general ever made. Um, people have some problems with it. I think it's super, super underrated in this bracket. And I think uh, there is a possibility here. If it were up to me, it might win this whole division. So I'm definitely going Quantum. It's a much better movie. It has some of my favorite moments. I love a good revenge film, and this is the best Bond revenge movie. Um, and outside of some bad editing, I think it's – if you fix the editing and the jump cuts with some of the action sequences, I think Quantum Salas is a perfect movie. And I differ from a lot of people on that, but Quantum Salas, 100%, no questions asked, destroys Moonraker here. All right, Tristan, I saw you shaking your head when Johnny was talking positively on Quantum of Solace and nodding as he talked negatively. So I want to hear your opinions <laughs> and your pick. Yeah, uh, look, Quantum of Solace has stuff that I think is potentially good. You'd say, like, oh, if you change the editing, it's good. Okay, like, I guess if you change like, the fundamentals of the entire thing, it's good. <laughs> but, like, the, it's not good as it stands. And the action might have been shot well, but it's not presented well here. And I think, for me... Moonraker encaptures so much of the cheese of Roger Moore. You know, you have not, of course, going to space inherently is cheesy. That's like the line of, oh, they're, they're so desperately going to go to space. And like this did that. <laughs> and this, I think, is like one of the prime examples of that happening in a big franchise. And I I also, of course, Johnny mentioned the villain is one of the best villains. The, the opening scene, I also think, is great, too. It, the midair kind of fight scene that inspired The Dark Knight Rises and you think of something like Moonraker, you think, oh, that's going to be like pure shock. It's going to be like Jason X. You know, you're going to watch it purely for like the B movie level, but it actually does have some quality to it too. You know, it has great action in the opening sequence. It has action throughout that's pretty good. And even though it is cheesy and ridiculous, it delivers in a lot of that sense 
So for me, I'm going for Moonraker on this. I know Joe's list, so I have to imagine that we might see uh, the end to Moonraker here on the on the run here. But yeah, I think this Moonraker embodies so much of the cheesiness of Bond that I love. And it also, I was surprised to see how much of it actually does hold up as a, as a movie, in an action movie. All right. Well, uh, I will say uh, I love Richard Keel. He's great. Uh, love him in Happy Gilmore. Love him in his Bond appearances. Who doesn't love a character named Jaws? However, the rest of the movie is good. It is good. But you know what's great? Quantum of Solace. A movie I really enjoy. And maybe the editing's bad, but Bohemian Rhapsody has shown even with bad editing, you can still win an Oscar for editing. So, I can't really count it against that movie, because the people that are in charge of film apparently say bad editing is really good editing. So maybe Quantum of Solace is better than people give it credit for. I love the Bond girl in that. She's probably one of my top Bond girls. Uh, She has agency. The story revolves around her. It's all about kind of helping her. Uh, which I, you know, is aspect I like and is different. Uh, the, I like the car chase at the beginning. Some people don't like it because it kind of makes you nauseous with the jump cuts and everything. But I enjoyed it. And with that, Quantum of Solace gets my vote. Quantum of Zol- Solace advances to the next round to face Dr. No. I do not endorse that victory at all. Easy victory for Quantum, baby. Let's get some upsets up in here. Quantum is going to make a run. Quantum it's a great movie if you really want to take advances. a nap real quick. It's the most artistic Bond movie ever made, and I love it for that. And I'm surprised Tristan doesn't like it for that reason. Uh, uh, that's one way of saying it. And artistic. Next, next up, we have License to Kill versus Octopussy, which should be a fun matchup. And uh, let me pull it up here. License to Kill uh, came out in 1989, directed by John Glenn. Uh, stars Timothy Dalton as Bond. After capturing the notorious drug lord France Sanchez, Bond's close friend and former CIA agent Felix Leiter is left for dead and his wife is murdered. Bond goes rogue and seeks vengeance on those responsible as he infiltrates Sanchez's organization from the inside. And Octopussy, uh, also directed by John Glenn, came out in 1983, starring Roger Moore. James Bond is sent to investigate after a fellow double-O agent is found dead with a priceless Fabergé egg. Bond follows the mystery and uncovers a smuggling scandal and a Russian general who wants to provoke a new world war. Uh, I'll kick off this one. Uh, I really like License to Kill. Uh, It's one of the movies that I believe we are using to compete against each other in our main show uh, where we pitch reboots to movies where we're doing a whole James Bond episode. Going to be me versus Tristan. Uh, Nice little promo there. Uh, Get ready, Joe. Uh, but it's fun. Uh, it definitely feels like a 1980s action movie, especially a late 80s action movie, kind of in the similar vein to like a Die Hard. Uh, probably some of my more favorite Felix moments in that movie, where Octopussy has James Bond dressed like a clown and uh, walking through a circus. Uh, while a solid movie, while a good movie, uh, the whole plot didn't really interest me as much as it could have. And for that... I am going to go with uh, License to Kill. But Tristan, uh, where are you headed on this? Uh, I like Octopussy. I'm a big fan overall of Roger Moore's run as Bond. I think he has so much charm, and I think this is one of his most like romantic portrayals of Bond. I think this is one of his better portrayals of Bond here in this movie. I know there's a lot of cheesiness with the 
the female character and all that. So I know this movie gets a bad rap, but I think Roger Moore is pretty good in it. And I also honestly think that the pairing uh, is uh, pretty good of him and the, and, the, and the actress. I can't remember now the actress who plays her, but she's played, Modern, she played more than yeah. one. Yeah, she played more than one Bond girl. And I think that she, it shows in this movie, they have good chemistry. But that all being said, I'm going to have to talk about License to Kill because I think oh. Timothy Dalton is a an awesome Bond. And I think this is uh, a, a shine, a sh- an example of what he can do in the character. It, take, it took the character in darker directions, uh, uh, something that they keep trying to do with Daniel Craig. And I think this pulls it off in a, in, in a way better than a lot of the Daniel Craig movies do. Uh, this feels definitely like Bond kind of unhinged and off the rails and this this spy who's been living by the rules barely like this, this caged animal who now gets unleashed and I think that he this Timothy Dalton is that Bond for me and I think this movie captures that really well so these are two of my favorites but I'm going to squeeze out the win here to License to Kill I think that it's an upset for Johnny there he was hoping for a License to Kill win here or an Octopussy win here I think alright right, Johnny here's my cell alright License to Kill, honestly, isn't good. Um, <laughs> License to Kill, I think Timothy Dalton is great. I think uh, Sanchez is a great villain. I love, uh, you get a young um, uh, Benicio Del Toro, I believe, as uh, a henchman. But you get really bad scenes in that movie of ninjas attacking him. Who doesn't love ninjas? all this stuff. But, like, it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. If they stuck to making it this dark 80s movie, sure. But they still have a lot of like schlockiness that they throw in there. And I don't think it holds up now watching it. It was one of my favorites when I was a kid, but when I did my rewatch, I was like, man, license to kill. Not what I remembered. It, it, it kind of, it starts off strong and it ends strong, but everything in the middle of that movie is so boring and weak and bad. Octopussy is the best Roger Moore movie for so many reasons. One, um, you get, you get everything just in the opening act. You get, a great action sequence followed by Roger Moore pulling into a gas station on a plane to fill it up. Like you get everything you need from a Roger Moore movie. This was the movie they figured out Roger Moore's bond and it's his best performance as bond. Um, You get Maude Adams and she's great. You get an incredible song. I love, love, love all time high. I want to make it my wedding song much to my fiance's uh, uh, chagrin, but Octopussy, I think, is the best Roger Moore movie. It's the best encapsulation of him as Bond, and he was a better Bond than Dalton. As much as I like Dalton, Roger Moore, um, yes, you get him in the clown outfit, but it makes sense. You get, like, for the story, and it's funny because he goes in and just, he's got he's got to deactivate this nuke, but he puts on this perfect clown makeup. That must have taken him a while. I love that stuff. It's got a throwback to Goldfinger, disarming the bomb, Um Octopus, he has everything I need, and it's one of the ones that I will, while I will agree, it's not a very well-made movie overall, but it is the most fun one and one that I will throw on over and over and over again, and I don't need to watch License to Kill unless I'm doing a complete Bond marathon. Octopussy is something I could throw on any time and watch it, and I think Octopussy deserves this win. You know what, Johnny? You said, yeah, I think you might have won my vote over. I think I'm going to go ahead and switch. Uh... You need more results. <laughs> Son. Look, I have resolve, but when it's Roger Moore, who has resolve? You know, I, I fall into his arms no matter what, you know, and <laughs> I'm he going... does look way too old to be Bond already, like by like the second movie he's in, so he looks super old in this, but 
I love it. This your guys' love for a view to a kill is my love for Octopussy, and I will not let it lose to license kill, which I think is super overrated and highly um over bracketed in this. Yeah, I, and I, I was but I do have some fun. I will watch the end of that movie. I love the lighter killing him at the end, the Felix, the genuine Felix lighter. I like that stuff. But I may have played a, a game here because I was like, you know what? My, my video kill got knocked out so early. I need some cheesy Roger Marvel love in here. Moonraker's already gone. You know, we got to get some yeah, more love get, going through. We got to get some Roger. We can't have them all lose right away. So got to get and some we've, already, we've got another Timothy Dalton movie coming up that I might might some, have some chances of winning. Who knows? All right. That one's going to make a run here. All right. Next up in our matchup, we have uh, Live and Let Die and Tomorrow Never Dies. So Live and Let Die directed by Guy Hamilton, came out in 1973, starring Roger Moore. Uh, James Bond must investigate a mysterious murder case of a British agent in New Orleans. Soon he finds himself up against a gangster boss named Mr. Big. Definitely uh, a movie inspired by the black exploitation movies of the time. And then uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, directed by Roger Spottiswood. Uh, came out in 97, starring Pierce Brosnan. A deranged media mogul is staging international incidents to pit the world's superpowers against each other. Now 007 must take on this evil mastermind in an adrenaline-charged battle to the end as reign of terror and to prevent global pandemonium. Uh, Alright, Johnny, you kind of ended the last round. I'll let you kick off this round. What is your pick between Tomorrow Never Dies and Live and Let Die? A lot of death. I- uh, so far, so far of our matchups, this one is the closest for me. Um, we're gonna get a lot of close ones going up, but I think this is might be the toughest first round one so far. Um, I I have a lot of love for both of these movies and some hate for both of these movies. I think the villain plot of Tomorrow Never Dies is the worst of any Bond movie. He's supposed to be going up against dudes trying to and the world or terrorists and stuff. And this dude's basically just trying to start world war three so he can get exclusive broadcast rights in China um, for a hundred years. It's the dumbest plot, but I love all of the characters in the movie. I love Michelle Yeoh. Um, I love uh, Jonathan Price as Elliot Carver. I doc, the Dr. Kaufman scene is maybe one of my favorite Brosnan scenes. It doesn't really fit tone wise with the rest of the movie, but I enjoy it a lot. I I think he's a great character. Um, And live and let die is Roger Moore's first. It's Roger Moore looking the most like bond, but maybe not knowing who his character is yet. Um, It took him a few movies to really get, get to that, but I don't know. It's tough here because I think if you look at just, What's more important for the actual films of the series? It's gotta be Live and Let Die. But if I'm going with what I'm watching, it's Tomorrow Never Dies, and I'm going Tomorrow Never Dies because I think it has some really fun action scenes. It's got a good villain. Um, Even though his plot is dumb, his performance is super over the top and fun. Um, And Live and Let Die, well, it has some memorable characters like um, Kananga is great, Teehee is great with the hook hands, um, and obviously Baron Samedi. But you get the whole J.W. Pepper sequence that's like 15 minutes long and super, and like legitimately unwatchable. Um, I have to fast forward through that. I think there's not a moment in Tomorrow Never Dies that I look at and I'm like, well, I just straight up can't watch this. And Live and Let Die, I got to actually fast forward to be able to get through it. So I, I think Tomorrow Never Dies edges it out because of that. I think Live and Let Die is more important for the Bond history, but Tomorrow Never Dies is my personal preference. So I'm going to go with Tomorrow Never Dies here. All right, and Tristan, uh, where are you going with this pick? Shout out to Live and Let Die for having a, 
awesome banger song, you know, that has lived down beyond Bond and become like a genuine hit. Uh, and I, I like a lot of the ideas. I like the setting of, of uh, Live and Let Die. I, and I think that as a premiere for Roger Moore, it's uh, really strong. I think a lot of times Bond's out of the gate have a rough time feeling like Bond. You know, they kind of feel out of place in the suit, so to speak, and then they kind of grow into it a bit. And I think Roger Moore, for the most part, fits in this performance but i do think tone wise it feels like they're having a hard they're having a hard johnny mentioned last episode that octopussy or last uh matchup i think that octopussy is kind of like they found out how to make roger Moore work and they figured out the character and the balance of the tones and obviously this is his first movie so they were not able to quite figure that out yet and i think you can feel that here he, they haven't quite figured out is roger Moore goofy is roger Moore serious what what are we doing with this character uh so for me, yeah, I'm gonna. I actually agree with Johnny here. I think tomorrow never dies. If I'm going for a lot of these, especially as we're going to these, where I have a lot of them kind of on a similar level of quality, or at least like uh, similar rankings, I'm gonna say, okay, if I'm sitting there and I want to watch a movie, which one am I gonna watch? And a million times over, I'm gonna watch Tomorrow Never Dies before I watch Live and Let Die. You know, Live and Let Die has has moments and characters like you've said, but Tomorrow Never Dies is really watchable and just it's schlocky and entertaining. And for all its flaws, I think it. There's no un, yeah. There's no flaws where it's like that is offensive. There's no flaw where I'm like, wow, that's really hard to watch. It's really uncomfortable. There are flaws where I'm like, that's just dumb and ridiculous, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> and live and let die has Bond shove a kid into water. You know, a lot of things where I'm like, okay, that's not quite. Uh, it's not just B movie. You can laugh at it. That's just actually bad. So I'm actually gonna go with Tomorrow Never Dies, which might be an upset here. Alright, and uh, it would have been a clean sweep, uh, not really much for me to add, you kind of said everything I was thinking, but uh, basically, yeah, it's. Uh, I just prefer Tomorrow Never Dies, I think overall it's a better movie, because uh, Live and Let Die was more of them kind of testing out what works and what didn't, um, so yeah, I would have voted for Tomorrow Never Dies as well, which means Tomorrow Never Dies advances, which brings us to our final matchup of round one. Uh, we have The Living Daylights versus The Man with the Golden Gun. And uh, this is directed by a name you've heard quite a bit throughout this podcast. Uh, John Glenn came out in 87. This is the first of the Timothy Dalton movies. Uh, James Bond helps a Russian general escape into the West. He soon finds out that the KGB wants to kill him for helping the general. A little while later, the general is kidnapped from the Secret Service, leading 007 to be suspicious. And then uh, The Man with the Golden Gun... Uh, came out in 1974, directed by Guy Hamilton, starring Roger Moore. Cool government operative James Bond searches for a stolen invention that can turn the sun's heat into a destructive weapon. He soon crosses paths with the menacing Francisco Scaramanga, a hitman so skilled he has a seven-figure working fee. Bond then joins forces with the swimsuit-clad Mary Goodnight, and together they track Scaramanga to a tropical hideout where the killer for hire lures this slick spy into a deadly maze for a final duel. And whoever uh, wrote this write-up needs to be dropped off a cliff because how do you not mention Knick-Knack in your write-up for the man with the golden gun? That's just sad. Uh, Exactly. And I will kick this off. Uh, Between these two movies, uh, the living or uh, the man with the golden gun has one of the greatest villain henchman combos maybe ever in uh, the James Bond movies with Scaramanga and Knickknack. Uh, Christopher Lee is great. 
Uh, there are moments of this movie I really like. However, The Living Daylights, I think, from front to back, is better overall. While the, maybe the villain isn't as strong, I like Timothy Dalton. I think he fits the tone of this movie. Also, is even though they tried to make it more serious than the Roger Moore movies that came before, there are still some fun moments, like him uh, sledding down a mountain in a cello case using a cello to steer, which is always, which is like the moment where I was watching this movie where I'm like, I love this movie. And with that, my vote would have to go for The Living Daylights. And uh, Johnny, where where's your where are you thinking? Where do you, where are you leaning towards? Like you said, like Nick 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 and Scaramanga really carry the man with the golden gun, but everything else outside of like every time it's not those two interacting or Bond interacting with them is dull and boring. This was a obviously it's ranked twenty two. This was a, a failure um of a follow up by Roger Moore uh to capitalize and it led them to make some changes in the in the series. Um and they had a big hit with one will come up shortly with the spy who loved me, but the Man with the Golden Gun overall, it's it's a it's not a very well made movie. Even when you get like a great stunt of him jumping over the the bridge, they put a slide whistle. Um, you get some moments like that. Uh, I think you get the return of J.W. Pepper for some reason. Um, and the Living Daylights, like Joe said, like the, you get the cello chase. I think you got a great Bond girl. Um, I love uh, uh, Joe Don Baker as uh, Brad Whitaker. And I like the fight at the end with them in like the little chess room of his little war table and stuff. I like a lot of that. And it's the best like Bond Cold War movie. Um, You know, him basically teaming up with the Taliban doesn't exactly hold up uh, in the long run. But I think The Living Daylights has a lot more fun. And it's one that I'll throw on and watch. And Timothy Dalton um, is great in it. It's a great you have one of the best opening scenes uh, with the training sequence and um, just overall, I think it's a very strong movie going up against one of the weaker of the series. So I think that one's a pretty easy call on the Living Daylights. All right, and Tristan, obviously your vote doesn't matter, but uh, where would you have leaned if uh, it was up to you? Yeah, I'm gonna echo you guys' vote here. Uh, it would have been a unanimous choice. I think this is an easy, one of the easiest ones, honestly, of the whole list. <laughs> Man with the Golden Gun has villain. The villain we've said great. Uh, Christopher Lee, great casting. I mean, he. I wish he would have played every Bond villain just so he could have like get gotten a chance to like play all, all all kinds of different villains. And it's kind of a waste that Christopher Lee in all movies has to be in this movie where he, he just he's just really wasted. Uh, yeah, I one thing that for me when I'm looking at the Bond movies is how well does it figure out its tone? Does everyone know what level each other person is on? You know, what does the actor know what he's doing? tone wise compared to the director compared to even you mentioned the slide whistle you know like does the editor know what movie they're making and this movie feels like nobody quite knew what movie they were making is it cheesy is it dark uh we don't really know it's kind of both and it's not really doing either one well and the living daylights for me has a bit of a tonal mismatch here and there but it's much more watchable and i think it uh really proves timothy dalton as a character uh he didn't get quite the run that I think he deserved, but I think this is the one that really will stand up the touch time for him as a great role for him. And uh, I'm going to go with Living Daylights for me. I'll, I mentioned how much I like Timothy Dalton's darker take on the character, and this feels like that darker take emerged with just, just a little bit of that Bond camp that you want in there, you know? Uh, so you, Living Daylights for me is about much... Man with the Golden Gun, though, great gun. <laughs> yeah, I used it all the time in the Bond games. I'll always remember that. You know, I, at least you got that going for you. 
And I love that it was a it was a contest, um, and I believe a college student created that. And it's if you look at the individual parts, it's like a lighter and a pen and a few things just basically spray painted gold. Overall, the look of the gun is super memorable, but mm -hmm. you know it doesn't carry the movie. You know, I, I, I they kind of did Christopher Lee dirty because he inspired the character and they threw him into this movie that isn't very memorable in the series. All right, and uh, so that brings us to the first matchup of round two. Uh, we have Goldfinger versus Diamonds Are Forever. Obviously, I've read the Diamonds Are Forever uh, description, but Goldfinger getting a buy. I'll read its description real quick. Uh, directed by Guy Hamilton, came out in 1964, starring Sean Connery. Special Agent 007 comes face-to-face -face with one of the most notorious villains of all time, and now he must outwit and outgun the powerful tycoon to prevent him from cashing in on a devious scheme to raid Fort Knox and obliterate the world's economy. Uh, I will start with uh, Johnny first. What is your pick between Goldfinger and Diamonds Are Forever? And uh, Diamonds Are Forever, if you forgot, is the Sean Connery movie set in uh, kind of mostly Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, yeah. Um, we talked about this. I, I picked Spectre over Diamonds Are Forever, and Goldfinger is much better than Spectre. Goldfinger is my is maybe... It, it switches between my favorite or second favorite Connery movie. Um, it's a much better performance, and while I don't love a lot of the story of him, like, basically the whole movie is Bond being behind everything. I like Bond actually being, like, a good secret agent, and this kind of makes him look weak. You have a lot of fun. You have great characters with Odd Job and um, Oric Goldfinger, Pussy Galore. Um, you get a lot of memorable moments, and Sean Connery's great in it, and you get the whole bomb sequence that just is one of the most fun moments of him fighting odd job and it keeps flashing to the bomb and there's 23 seconds and then it's a four minute fight of him and odd job and then it cuts back and it's it's like not all that happened in six seconds i'm watching this movie here um but i love that it's very old school filmmaking and you know the plot and stuff doesn't hold up because fort knox no longer really matters and it wouldn't do anything to the economy having that gold radiate but i i love goldfinger and there's a reason why it's uh number one here um and and it easy this should be a clean sweep as much as joe loves diamonds are forever this should be a pretty easy clean sweep all right goldfinger. well i will say goldfinger is great uh when we did our top 10 if you watch that it can't, did come in at my number 10 spot however diamonds are forever oh just God. came up a little bit higher uh go, i love the campiness like i said in the first round it's a fun movie while goldfinger is good uh i feel like they it kind of started the formulaic plot of some of the James Bond movies and kind of some of the tropes and I just feel like other movies came in and did it better uh, where Diamonds Are Forever I was glued to the screen from start to finish did love Oric Goldfinger as a villain he's a Mount Rushmore uh, villain I don't know if he made our Mount Rushmore when we did that episode but he should have if he didn't and I will go to Tristan for his vote which hopefully fingers crossed is for Diamonds Are Forever but I remember his list Goldfingers so. crossed so yeah, if you remember my list, I don't think you're going to be surprised by this one. Uh, yeah, Goldfinger for me is my favorite Bond movie, so it's going to be a tough battle to uh, drop down from anything against that one. Uh, yeah, I think, look, it's Goldfinger. <laughs> it's got so many iconic moments. I think we'll talk about a lot of them as we get deeper into the battles here, but Johnny mentioned that Bond is kind of like out of development a bit. He's kind of losing as you go along, and I, I kind of like that a bit. I feel like you're following Bond as he's figuring it out on the fly a little bit, uh, it feels different than the Bond who's constantly in control. And you're seeing him outwardly 
presenting that. It's a really great performance from Sean Connery because he, he presenting to the villains, he's still be trying to put off that cocky bond who knows everything, who still is ahead of them, but he's still trying. He's also trying to portray to us as the audience, like we know that he's not, you know. And it's a it's a really great layered performance there. And uh, John Joe mentioned the uh, the camp of diamonds are forever. Uh, this has all kinds of camp, like. It, way campier than the previous Bond movies have been. And I think it started the camp of Bond, you know, the campy laser scene and then the villain just being really ridiculous. And you want camp, you want great action, you want great a great story, you want to see a great performance. I feel like Goldfinger is literally like a perfect movie. <laughs> so I'm going Goldfinger on this one. All right. And that brings us to our next matchup in round two, and that is Goldeneye versus The Spy Who Loved Me. Goldeneye, obviously the... Uh, one with uh, Sean Bean and Pierce Brosnan, where uh, 007 has to face off against 006. But The Spy Who Loved Me, directed by Lewis Gilbert, came out in 1977. Uh, Russian and British submarines with nuclear missiles on board both vanish from sight without a trace. England and Russia both blame each other as James Bond tries to solve the riddle of the disappearing ships, but the KGB also has an agent on the case. And uh, Tristan, I'll start with you. What What are your thoughts? Where are you leaning? What's your pick? Goldeneye or The Spy Who Loved Me? It's tough because I do really like The Spy Who Loved Me. I think Roger Moore is going to have a rough run on this list because as much as I like his movies, he just comes up against some truly great stuff. <laughs> uh, Spy Who Loved Me has stuff that I love. I think J- Johnny mentioned a previous movie being his favorite of the Cold War era Bond movies. I think he said Golden Gun was his favorite of the Cold War era Bond movies and I think this one is my favorite of the Cold War era Bond movies. It, you feel that tension of like the Russia and America and, and the rest of the world kind of in this in this nuclear cold war, of course, and then Bond is like existing just beneath the surface of that. And I think this is a great like Cold War spy thriller and for me, one of Roger Moore's better movies. So it's a really close call for me. Uh, but Gold, Goldeneye does have a lot of the iconic moments, a lot of the great action. I have it ranked higher than this one by a good amount on my actual ranking. So I'm going to have to squeeze it out to Goldeneye here, but the spot here love me is like, is, is it's running up close against it for me. All First right. of all, correction, I said the living daylights was the yeah. best like portrayal of the cold war in a bond movie, I think, but yeah, the spy who love me is, is good too. Yeah. But I think eight, just eighties, just when the living daylight came out was like super midst of what you think about the cold war. You think eighties and that was uh, heavily involved in the plot. With General Cusco. All right, Johnny, where, what are your thoughts for this matchup? Um, the Spy Who Loved Me is maybe the most beloved Roger Moore movie. Um, but honestly, when you watch it, it, it has a lot of moments that drag. Um, I like some of the moments in it. I love the opening. It didn't make our cold openings Mount Rushmore, even though it should have. Um, oh. Over a few to a kill. Um, he was snowboarding moments, down a mountain. Okay, well, he's skiing down a mountain in this, and then jumps off the mountain <laughs> and has a um, the pair, the Union Jack parachute. Yeah, because I care about the Union Jack. Yeah, I know, right? I don't, but it's just an <laughs> awesome moment. It's um, a moment, you know. Maybe that whole opening scene, you know. Yeah, the the Spy Who Loved Me has a, has has its moments, and uh, I think it's a well made movie. But Goldeneye is a much stronger film. It's one I'll throw on all the time. It's a it's a better movie. Um, overall, Martin Campbell can direct the hell out of a Bond movie, and he showed it here. So, I, I easy, easy Golden Eye victory for me here. All right. Well, unfortunately, 
Johnny wanted a clean sweep last round. He doesn't get it, but he does get a clean sweep this round with GoldenEye over the Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, oh, yeah. So this one brings us to our third round two matchup, trying to get into the Elite Eight. Uh, we have Casino Royale versus You Only Live Twice. And uh, I will uh, read off Casino Royale's uh, breakdown here because I'd obviously got a buy into this round. Casino Royale, directed by Martin Campbell from 2006, the first of the Daniel Craigs. Lashif, a banker to the world's terrorists, is scheduled to participate in a high-stakes poker game in Montenegro, where he intends to use his winnings to establish his financial grip on the terrorist market. M sends Bond on his maiden mission as a double-O agent to attend this game and prevent Lashif from winning. With the help of Vesper Lind and Felix Leiter, Bond enters the most important poker game in his already dangerous career. Uh, I will kick this off. And I will say I really love this movie. The black and white opening is great. It's a great introduction to this new uh, era of Bond, a more grounded kind of Jason Bourne-inspired take. I love the mental aspect of between the uh, two heroes. I mean, you have the kind of uh, interrogation torture scene at the end, but for the most part, it's more of a mental battle. The card card game at the end could have been better. And then as far as the movie it's paired up against... um, you only live twice. Uh, I enjoy it. It's a fun, it's a fun movie, but it's no Casino Royale. And for that, I will go with Casino Royale. And Tristan, uh, what's your pick? What would you choose between You Only Live Twice and Casino Royale? I like the part in You Only Live Twice when old man Sean Connery picks up an entire couch and fights a guy with it, and you're supposed to believe that. You know, good scene in there. Uh, but yeah, overall, it's, look, Casino Royale is like an all-time Bond movie, but it's got. It's going to be an easy win for that one. We talked about Young Live Twice a bit, but yeah, uh, it's, it's an easy win for Casino Royale. I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm sure we're going to talk about it more intensely as we get deeper into the fights. But yeah, Casino Royale it was my first Bond movie. I'm sure it was a bunch of our first Bond movies of people in our generation and a good fit because it essentially is an origin story and you get to see why Bond is who he is and you get a good entry point into the series. And with, with such a long-running series, you need a good entry point because... A lot of these kind of works entry points, but you're not getting like a genuine, oh, here's the character, here's who he is kind of story. And Casino Royale does that. And We uh, Only Live Twice has cheese in it and some cool scenes. But overall, uh, yeah, Casino Royale is like an all-time movie. All right. And uh, Johnny, instead of getting your thoughts now, because I feel like I know where you're going to lean, I will let you kick off the next round of Casino Royale with Casino Royale when it faces the winner of our next matchup. Uh, yeah, easy which, clean sweep there. Which I already forgot about, which was The World Is Not Enough and Skyfall. And I will read... Yeah, read Skyfall. I will read the description of Skyfall, directed by Sam Mendes from 2012. Uh, when Bond's latest assignment goes gravely wrong and agents around the world are exposed, MI6 is attacked, forcing M to relocate the agency. These events cause her authority and position to be challenged by Gareth Mallory, the new chairman of the Intelligence and Security Committee. With MI6 now compromised from both inside and out, M is left with one ally she can trust, Bond. 007 takes to the shadows, aided only by field agent Eve, following a trail to the mysterious Silva, whose lethal and hidden motives have yet to reveal themselves. And so we have Skyfall versus uh, The World Is Not Enough. 
both of these good, solid movies. And uh, Johnny, you didn't get to speak last time, so I will let you kick this off with your vote. Yeah, this this essentially is the same thing. Of uh, this whole region is waiting for the big matchup of Casino Royale versus Skyfall, um, and seeing you know what comes out of the, the two of the top Craig movies. But you know, the world is not enough. I talked about. I like it. Um, it's an enjoyable film, but. Skyfall is a movie, honestly, that I've been up and down with over the years, but I've landed on. I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorites. So it's an easy Skyfall victory here. It's a better made movie. It has plenty of plot holes, um, but I I enjoy it a lot. And uh, it's one that I'll throw on anytime and enjoy it. I love Judy Dench in it. It's an interesting Bond movie because it doesn't really have a Bond girl. M is basically the Bond girl of this movie. Um, and it's something a little different and you get a great villain, um, and, and a lot of great action scenes. And I love Daniel Craig. So this is an easy skyfall victory here. All right. And, uh, I'll let Tristan talk a little bit about who he thinks should win this matchup. Yeah. Easy skyfall victory for me. Uh, skyfall is such a great movie. And for me, it's a great, like return to form for Daniel Craig. Cause for me, a quantum of is pretty missed pretty hard for me. And this feels like a good throwback to kind of like the fun bond of uh what i love out of bond kind of the cheesy goofiness but still having the serious kind of modern movie tone that daniel craig brings to it so yeah for me skyfall is, is definitely a win over world is not enough but i i think i already have world is not enough eliminated <laughs> i love pierce brosnan maybe more than daniel craig but skyfall is like like i said an all-time bond movie for Daniel Craig has some two all-time great movies under his belt, so it's going to be a big fight for both of those. All right, Lies. and he m- might have a third all-time great after uh, next month, depending on... You mean a, a fourth all-time great. Yeah, true enough, because some people have taste. Uh, next up, we have, uh, speaking of Daniel Craig, we have the Sean Connery film Dr. No against Daniel Craig's Quantum of Solace. And Dr. No uh, came out in 1962, directed by Terrence Young. It's the first ever James Bond movie. And the film that launched the James Bond saga, Agent 007 Battles Mysterious Dr. No, a scientific genius bent on destroying the U.S. space program. As the countdown to disaster begins, Bond must go to Jamaica, where he encounters beautiful Honey Rider to confront a megalomaniacal villain in his massive island headquarters. I will kick this off. I will say Dr. No is the first ever Bond movie I watched. I own the uh, Sean Connery box set. And, uh, like, about ten years ago, I bought it. I was interested in getting into James Bond because uh, it was a big blind spot in my movie watching. It's this big, massive franchise that I'd really never seen. I watched Dr. No, thought it was solid, but it didn't really grab me like I hoped it would, and I didn't really watch much of the rest of the box set. However, Quantum of Solace in this full watch-through, I loved pretty much every minute of it, loved the Bond girl, and for that, uh, uh, I've talked about Quantum of Solace last round, and... For a lot of those reasons, Quantum of Solace gets my vote. But I will cut over to the Quantum of, Quantum of Solace hater with absolutely zero taste. Tristan, which movie gets your vote? Fuck you guys, by the way, because I, I have a feeling this is going to be a a, a, a nice uh, losing vote for me here. But look, one movie is Daniel Craig being sad for like two and a half hours. And then oh, the sorry, other movie so is like a pinnacle of Bond that started all of everything, <laughs> like established all the tropes tapered granted. Now everything that we say, all oh, this has to be in a Bond movie. It's because it was in this movie. And 
we take that as kind of like the definitive bond and Claudio Salas is like the definitive way to not make a bond movie uh just rip off other things and and be really boring and uh sure maybe it's artsy but like this is James Bond. I'm not here for arts. I want to see James Bond do stupid things and, and jump out of helicopters and like have a bunch of ridiculous stuff going on. Uh, Kwame Salas, I I need to rewatch it. You guys are kind of convincing me that maybe I missed something there. <laughs> so it'll be on my rewatch list. But yeah, uh, not my not my vote. But hey, you know, it goes on to the next round, it seems. Unless Johnny has a really surprising take here. All right, Johnny, speaking of takes, what's um, yours? My take is this. The first time I saw Quantum of Solace, I saw it in theaters, and I thought it was the most forgettable Bond movie I've ever seen. Never cared for it. Never um, went back to it. Then one day, I was like, all right, I'm going to give Quantum another shot. So I watched Casino Royale back-to-back with Quantum all together. And now I view those movies as part one and part two. And I think Quantum is a beautiful part two you get Bond becoming him his agent in Casino Royale, going through a loss, and then the second movie is him helping Camille overcome what she's gone through, and that makes him into the character that we get in the later Craig movies. Um, and I think it's just a beautiful follow-up to Casino Royale, and I view it so differently than when I first watched it, and I think it makes a difference if you maybe are uh, lower on Quantum. Watch it back-to-back with Casino Royale if you have the time. That makes a big difference for it. Um, I talked about it. Yeah, it has some editing issues, but after you watch it a few times, you know exactly what's happening, so the editing doesn't bug you. The first time you see it, it's jarring because you have no idea what's happening in the scene, but you know, it, it's a movie that I think requires multiple watches, where Dr. No is one that you can watch immediately and enjoy if you're into the character. I think it's maybe the closest to the bond in the books that we get, the literary bond. I think it's one of it's the first movie of the the franchise, it's the most important movie. So if you're going by franchise importance, obviously it's Dr. No. Um, but that being said, we're going personal preference and I'm going to go quantum. But I, I have a lot of love for Dr. No. I think some people watch it and think it's too slow. It's not, you know, enough of a tone. This is a tougher one for me than expected because I love quantum so much. But Dr. No this kind of introduces the problematic elements that you'll get a few films later with you only live twice with, uh, with Dr. No himself uh, being half Asian and they kind of just put some weird makeup on his face to, uh, but I, I think Dr. No has a lot of good moments. I love Felix um, in this movie and it's got, you know, some memorable moments. I like that they take from the Casino Royale book of bond, you know, putting the hair over the door of the closet and doing all the stuff, checking his room. Um, I think they portray the character well, but quantum while Dr. No portrays the best literary bond, it doesn't portray the best Connery bond. And I think quantum is a great, like, I think it might be my favorite Daniel Craig performance as bond because his whole series so far has been about um, actually dealing with personal loss and, still getting the job done and i think quantum just shows that better so i think there's a lot to love with both of these but i will i will give the edge to to quantum as expected but not to um and this is a big upset but i i do love dr no probably more than joe but probably just as much as tristan i just like quantum more than tristan does so i'm gonna go 
I'm going to go quantum here. Yeah, I can't say I'm mad. I, you guys' passion for quantum is definitely inspiring me. I, I, I'm going to probably do a double feature, like you mentioned, relating up to No Time to Die. It could be a just take the day off, do a whole Daniel Craig Bond day. You know, it could be, it could be a fun time. And I yeah, will, and I will say to say a positive of Doctor No that outside of Jeffrey Wright, whom me and Tristan will definitely be talking about on our Disney Plus uh, review show on Friday, uh, Jack Lord is my favorite portrayal of Felix Slater in Doctor No. Mm-hmm. So, uh, quick yes or no vote for you guys: Do you think Rami Malek is playing Doctor No? There are rumors that he's playing Doctor No in the new movie, and maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Are they going to connect it back to the original? Are they not? What do you say, Jack? Are you the super fan? I, I think it's going to be um, aspects of Dr. No in it, but it's not exactly Dr. No. But I think his villain plot is going to be more of like Dr. No was more of like, I'm creating nuclear weapons type of thing that you get with a lot of the, especially older Bond movies. I think this one is going to focus on a, which I think a big reason this movie was delayed as much as it was is because I think the villain plot is going to be, releasing a virus into the world that's going to kill a lot of people and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and not only did covid push it back because you couldn't go to theaters but it pushed it back because they didn't want to release this movie with a plot so close to a national or an international pandemic breaking out i think it's a different character than dr no but i think you're going to get some similarities there i think after the movie comes out and you watch the interviews rami malek will be like I got a lot of my inspiration from Dr. No to play this character, but I don't think he's actually going to be Dr. No. And on top of that, yes or no answer, are we getting the line in the movie, no, comma, time to die? No. No? I don't Rami Malek so. sing? Rami Malek, I hope, does not sing. I The only time you're going to hear the line, no time to die, is in the Billie Eilish song. Okay. Um, but I do like your theory on that. If they do it, I will like it. I think it might be Craig saying that to um, to him rather than I think your theory was Rami Malek says it. Yeah. I think Daniel Craig uh, Bond saying that to him before they kill him would be a good throwback. I'd be to, okay like, with either one. One-liners. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, but I don't think so because I just, I don't know if they're, I don't know if the writers are smart enough to do that, but I think they should. All right. But right. I don't trust Purvis and Wade that much. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to our next matchup. We have Octopussy versus On Her Majesty's Secret Service. So uh, Octopussy, uh, like we talked about before, Roger Moore movie uh, where he had to disarm the bomb in the clown makeup. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, the only of the uh, George Lazenby Bond, or as some people on this podcast refer to him, George Lazenberry, uh, directed by Peter Hunt, came out in '69. Uh, James Bond tracks his arch nemesis Ernst Blofeld to a mountaintop retreat where he is training an army of beautiful, lethal women. Along the way, Bond falls for an Italian contessa, Tracy Draco, and marries her in order to get closer to Blofeld. Uh, This is another one that uh, me and Tristan are going to be pitching uh, reboots for in our matchup next week. Uh, And I I haven't been sure who's been kicking this off. I will kick this off and say, uh, obviously I didn't even want Octopussy to get this far. Uh, I am a fan of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, while Lazenby not the best actor. I thought it was a good movie. Uh, obviously, you know, I like the Bond girl in it. And uh, I thought Blofeld was good in it as well, played by um, Tully Savalas. And uh, so that would get my vote to advance is Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, Tristan, you did want Octopussy to advance, so where are you leaning? What are your thoughts? 
I like conceptually a lot of the things that happen in Iron Magic Secret Service. I like that Bond has this arc where he is the Bond we know, and he kind of settles down with this woman. He matures and kind of puts that life behind him, and then of course the taken away from him. That's a really powerful arc, and for no experience, Mister uh, George or Lazenby or however you want to say his name, you know, uh, he performed that scene really well, and I think you have a great story behind that of him kind of faking his way into the role and still managing to perform so amicably particularly in that final scene but i think throughout the movie he pulls off the role pretty well for someone with no experience uh unfortunately i don't love this movie overall i think the ideas are really interesting but i just don't don't think they execute them necessarily well especially like i feel like asuna rael does this movie's arc much better where you see the bond is this loose cannon who finds a woman that he actually cares about and then has her taken away from him and it like fully breaks him you know and I don't buy the chemistry between the other characters. Diana Rigg is a great actress, but I just don't necessarily think her and Lazenby had any level of romantic chemistry between each other. Uh, This movie has a great snowboarding sequence, the skiing sequence at the beginning that is really iconic and I think stands up as one of the best Bond sequences of all time. But for me, that's pretty much all that movie has going for it. Uh, I didn't like it particularly much, and Octopussy is one of my favorites, so I'm going to go for Octopussy as the win here. All right, Johnny, what are your Ooh. thoughts? you got to break the tie here between Honor Majesty's Secret Service and Octopussy. It's tough because I already talked about how much I loved Octopussy, so I won't hit on that too much again, but I have a lot of strong feelings for it. Um, but I think Honor Majesty's Secret Service is the most underrated Bond movie, and I think people are finally kind of catching up on that when they go back and and check it out, especially like Bond fans go back and watch it. And they're like, man, like this movie actually works. I think Peter Hunt is a super underrated director. And I think the action sequences in this movie, if you watch all the Connery uh, fight scenes, most of them are like fast forward, like the uh, uh, speed cams and stuff like that. Like it's really a slow thing. And then they speed up the camera in them, especially you get that in Thunderball. Um, the action sequences on, on Her Majesty's Secret Service are closer to the fight scenes we get today than they are to anything that came out in the 60s. I think this movie was super ahead of its time. I love Telly Savalas as Blofeld. I love Diana Rigg. I think you maybe don't get the chemistry because Lazenby is not a polished actor in this role, and you get the rushed ending. Um, they didn't plan to kill Tracy off at the end. That was supposed to be the cold open of Lazenby's second movie. So um, I don't think you necessarily get the emotional impact with it ending that way and Lazenby not being an established actor at that point and not showing the emotion. But Bond, to me, while Craig has shown differently that Bond can be the guy who is an emotional character, um, I think especially at this time, you don't want to see like Bond tear up or cry or anything. You want him to just be like, everything will be okay. That was closer to how they viewed the character back then. You get a lot of good action sequences and a lot of good snow sequences, and I love that in a Bond movie. Um, Honor Badge Secret Service, to me, as much as I love Octopussy, this is an easy Honor Badge of Secret Service win for me. I will I endorse the action. The action is incredible in, in uh, yeah. that movie. That's the best thing that Lazenby did. He had the physicality. He had the look. He just was a commercial guy. He was a model, and they basically tricked the studio. So I can't necessarily fault him for his acting but um, I think he portrayed Bond well physically, and I think this movie. All right, this is a fantastic movie. 
And that brings us to our next matchup. We have uh, From Russia With Love versus Tomorrow Never Dies. And uh, From Russia With Love came out in uh, 1963, directed by Terrence Young. Uh, Agent 007 is back in the second installment of the James Bond series, this time battling a secret crime organization known as Spectre. Russians Rosa, Kleb, and Kronstein are out to snatch a decoding device known as the Lecter. Using the ravishing Tatiana to lure Bond into helping them, Bond willingly travels to meet Tatiana in Istanbul, where he must rely on his wits to escape with his life and a series of deadly encounters with the enemy. Uh, Tristan, I will let you kick this off. What are your thoughts between Tomorrow Never Dies and From Russia With Love? Uh, look, Tomorrow Never Dies, I mentioned how it's a really fun, watchable movie that I can throw on without even really context of it being a Bond movie and have a good time with it. But I think From Russia With Love especially shines among the context of being a Bond movie. I think uh, this early on, it really shows the potential of the character as a genuine like drama lead. Yeah, they could have so easily in the sequel really upped the ridiculousness and gone so quickly to the Goldfinger kind of style that you lost this development along the way. But I think slowing it down in this movie, upping the action, upping the ante in that regard, but slowing down kind of the the pacing and the 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 scope a bit helps this movie a lot. Uh, I think Sean Connery does a great job in this. He he's getting into the getting into the character in Dr. No, but I think of this, he's, he really is doing a great, great job pulling off the drama of this character and the charm of the character. I think you have one of the best Bond girls here as well. I really buy that relationship. And I really think, you know, I think that scene, a scene from this movie, I think is used as like an audition uh, read essentially for every Bond girl that comes in is like a chemistry test for uh, how well they're going to pull off the Bond girl performance. Uh, so this movie stands this time in that way throughout the entire movie. This is kind of like, been the standard for Bond girls in the franchise. So I think that's something to note. And I love that final sequence in the train as well. That battle with Red is so great. And Red is a really fascinating foil to Bond. He has a similar look to Connery, but he's, you know, serving the exact opposite side in the same way. And in in, your, in a way, you look in question like, oh, what's the difference between these two characters? They're both in, the, in their own way serving their country. And that moral ambiguity is there in this movie at a time when that level of ambiguity might isn't exactly like uh, commonplace in movies. You know, you, you want it to be really uh, obvious who the guys and the bad guys are, especially in like a Cold War kind of idea setting uh, where you want to have easy paints of the guys and bad guys. But yeah, I love this uh, movie. The, the the train sequence in Skyfall only exists because of the train sequence here. You know, they try to up the ante of this one and it might not have set the palette for all of the same beats and and kind of like tropes that we got from Dr. No and Goldfinger, but I think it set the standard for quality of what Bond could actually aspire towards being as a franchise. And this is one of the top tier for me. So I'm going for, for much what love. All right. Yeah. This one was super close uh, for me. Uh, I really like both movies. Uh, uh, I agree with a lot of what Tristan said about uh, from Russia with love, but you know, tomorrow never dies. I really like Michelle Yeoh. Terry Hatcher maybe wasn't, the best of the Bond girls, but not enough to detract from the movie. Obviously, Pierce Brosnan is great as James Bond, and I really like Jonathan Price's kind of weird, crazy, kind of billionaire uh, Bond villain, especially. I think the movie's still, you know, you want to talk relevancy, I still think the movie's really relevant today. Maybe not the newspaper aspect, but as far as, like, the media control aspect of the movie, I think it's still really relevant. And uh, by slight margin... 
Uh, I think I'm going to give my vote to Tomorrow Never Dies, which means Johnny gets to break the tie between From Russia With Love and Tomorrow Never Dies. And based on the shocked look on his face, I think I know where his vote goes. This this is um, not even a question. It's From Russia With Love. It's the best made Connery Bond movie. Um, it's his best performance as Bond. Red Grant is just one of the best characters ever in a Bond movie. I love that his mission is kill Bond. And he takes that so personally. And he even um, is seen saving Bond's life just to get to that moment. You get the most underrated and probably my favorite gadget in any Bond film of the suitcase or the briefcase that you have to open in certain ways. I think nowadays it would be great to bring back something like that. I really liked in Skyfall, which we'll get to the gun that only Bond could use, but um, they basically wasted that whole thing. But in this, it plays a integra- uh, an integral way of the plot, and it doesn't just feel like it's something that's written in. Like uh, in some of the movies, you you know that like they reverse engineered a plot point to get to a gadget they needed for that plot point. In this, it, it just feels very natural. Um, I really like how it plays out. The fight sequence is great on the train. It's probably the best action sequence in a Connery movie. Um, and you get a lot of great characters. And from Us With Love, it's just, it's directed well. Every performance is great. It's uh, it's one of the best Bond films ever made. And it's one of my personal favorites. So that's an easy, easy, easy. I have a lot of fun with Tomorrow Never Dies, but from Us With Love, blows it out of the water, not close. Yeah, Joe. All right. Yeah, you idiot. All right, so that brings us to our final matchup in uh, the second round. We have the Living Daylights versus Thunderball. Living Daylights, obviously, uh, Timothy Dalton's uh, one of Timothy Dalton's two outings as Bond, and Thunderball, directed by Terrence Young, uh, came out in 1965. A criminal organization has obtained two nuclear bombs and are asking for a hundred million pound ransom in the form of diamonds in seven days, or they will use the weapons. The Secret Service sends James Bond to the Bahamas to once again save the world. And Johnny, I will let you kick this off. What are you picking, Thunderball or The Living Daylights? We we talked about The Living Daylights. I have a lot of fun with that movie. And the word that I would describe uh, Thunderball is not fun. <laughs> there are some decent moments so in it. So you wouldn't um, call it Thunderball? I would not. I thought of that when I was reading Thunderball. But no, um... Look, I get that it was a technical achievement at the time, all of these utter underwater sequences and being able to film that. It's something that you've never seen before in the 60s. But my God, that movie feels like it is five hours long. It drags on. Now, there are worse made movies in this franchise, but Thunderball is my least favorite James Bond movie not close. I cannot believe it's ranked sixth. That's something that people liked it when it came out. Everyone who rewatches it nowadays should realize that this movie kind of sucks. Um, it's unwatchable. The only time, like, this is the only Bond movie that I put on that feels like homework if I'm in a Bond marathon. Um, it's very hard to get through, and it's just not a good movie overall. It doesn't hold up in any way, and not not like the way that most of the old Bond movies don't hold up because they're problematic. You must this become hold Japanese. up because it's super yeah. boring, and the tone is off, like, so slowly paced. And 
you know, I just can't, I can't get through it. It's very tough. It, this is a sit. So this is an easy win for whatever it was facing up against. And that happens to be the living daylights, which I enjoy. So go living daylights. Tristan, I see you nodding your head over there. I assume you're agreeing with Johnny. Yeah, I'm going to have to echo Johnny's sense of Thunderball is actually my least favorite of all of the James Bond movies. Uh, I love Sean Connery. So to me, taking Sean Connery and putting him in like the most boring movie you possibly could put him in and it's just such a disservice to the character. And like you think, oh, the one with the jetpack, the one with all the underwater scenes, they're like, I've heard this one is, has all the cool stuff. Like this is when it finally starts getting ridiculous. That's what I heard going into this. I was like, you get the Thunderball, it's finally like the campy, goofy kind of good time. And I, I, I was watching this saying, oh, I'm ready for this campy, goofy good time. When's it going to start getting campy and goofy and good? And it never did. It was, there's, mo there's, there's like moments here and there. There's things that I like, you know, the, the jetpack is kind of iconic and, it's lived on through the video games, and I mentioned that the video games are most of my nostalgia for James Bond. Before I watched any of these movies, I played a lot of the video games, so I use that jet flag plenty of times. But yeah, for me, Thunderball is bottom of the barrel boring. Uh, the worst thing a Bond movie, any movie really, but a Bond movie in particular can be is boring. Uh, I'd rather watch a, something like... Uh, you know, any of, the, any of the terrible Pierce Brosnan movies or any of the really bad, campy uh roger moore movies i'd watch any of those before i watched thunderball because i'd rather be entertained by a bad movie than falling asleep because of a bad movie yep. yeah give me die another day all day over over thunderball exactly all right and uh, i echo all of their sentiments on thunderball it sucks yeah fuck you thunderball that's all duke right. losing the first round baby all right and so uh with that we have our elite eight uh in our eight spots we have the number one goldfinger the number nine GoldenEye, uh, the number Ooh. four Casino Royale. This is where they get real. The tough. number five Skyfall, the number fifteen Quantum of Solace, the number seven on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the number three from Russia with Love, and the number eleven The Living Daylights. The Living Daylights, basically like the Davidson of our bracket, and uh, so that we move to our. Uh, I'd say Quantum's one. closer to that. Uh, well, there it's an <laughs> Look out the number two. Uh, Quantum of Solace is like your uh, Florida, you know, Florida Southern or something like that. It's Florida International, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, assuming they suck. Well, they were a 15 seed that night. What was that? that? The UMBC yeah. that knocked out uh, uh, whatever school that was. Um, yeah. So we have in. To make it to our first final four slot, we have Goldfinger versus Goldeneye. Two golds going at it head to head, and I will let Tristan kick this one off. All right. Uh, well, going? look, Goldeneye has a lot of moments and a, and a lot of things to like about it. The action I think is really fun. Pierce Brosnan I think is a great Bond. I think he he sells the look really well and. But Goldfinger is the Bond movie. Goldfinger is everything that defines Bond. Like, Sean Connery is embodying Bond in every single aspect of his performance in this movie. Like, for all of its pros and cons, even. Like, so there's, there's, there's cons in Goldeneye, but I, or in, Golden, in Goldfinger, but I think they almost add to the charm of, like, what a Bond movie is. And uh, you got the ultimate Bond villain with some of the ultimate Bond lines. You know, you have a literal laser shopping Sean Connery slowly, slowly up in half, and he's got to get out just just in the barely nick of time by talking his way out of it, not by fighting his way out of it, but by kind of charming his way out of it. And then 
we still get the action scenes. You know, it, this is the perfect Bond movie. You get some of the best Bond girls in it. You get, uh, uh, I think, a really shocking opening when the the who you might assume would be one of the main Bond girls is killed pretty quickly on, uh, paid in gold, and he finds her in her bed. It's kind of a really iconic image. I'll always remember of kind of seeing that and being like kind of a twist of like, oh, I guess she's not the main Bond girl. There's going to be somebody else coming in. And uh, I, I love Goldfinger. For me, of all these movies, this is one that I would say is a genuine perfect movie that would be in, like, in my top favorite movies of all time. I think it it's shocking how much Bond took from this. Like Bond has never really reached this height. And I think it always tries to, it never quite does. This feels like the, the pole vault that Bond is trying to hit but can never quite get over every single time. And it's this. So I'm going Goldfinger. All right. Uh, I will give my pick, and I will say that uh, GoldenEye has an iconic game because, the you know, it's based off a great film. Goldfinger is great. I will, I will give it that. GoldenEye, uh, I, I prefer the villain more. While maybe uh, Auric Goldfinger in uh, Goldfinger was more of like the inspiration for the type of villains moving forward, I just prefer Sean Bean more. I like Pierce Brosnan in this movie. A lot of the old Sean Connery movies didn't aren't my kind of acting or it's more just people reading their lines and there's not really as much of a full-on you know performance and reaction to what the other person is saying it's kind of they're walking on set with an idea of how they're already going to read their lines and you have the emotional connection between the hero and villain with uh, them being former friends and now enemies and uh i i like the uh, opening sequence in uh, golden Knight better and then you have the iconic moment of him dropping uh Trevelyan off off the edge of the satellite and for that I have to give my vote to Goldeneye and so that would make Johnny the biggest James Bond fan I know the person that has to break this tie think about uh, Ajab while you break this tie remember Ajab he's, he's professional he's, wrestler for England Ajab. Johnny for England James name is Pussing no, for me Th- this is tough because this is my childhood versus me as just a a film fan um and it's it's i don't know it's tough because i love golden i grew up with it that was my bond that was my game i was that was my favorite video game ever um i love so many moments in the movie i think martin campbell like i said directs the hell out of a bond movie whatever the next bond after craig i hope they bring back martin campbell to do the first one and goldfinger has not all of it holds up. You've got a lot of, uh, you got a very problematic aspect with Pussy Galore's character that I think they do a better job in the movie than maybe in the writing um, of, because Ian Fleming is an old man. He hated lesbians and he had James Bond is so manly that he can turn a lesbian straight. That stuff's a little problematic. You get uh, the forced kiss in the barn with her. And then she's like the Bond girl after that um, when she's not interested before. I, I get that, um, but I think Goldfinger just I have gone I have gone personal preference on these in the past, but Goldfinger I can't deny the importance of what it meant to the franchise. I don't have Goldeneye if I don't have Goldfinger, and I think Goldfinger deserves the credit for that. And as much as it pains me, because if I'm putting two movies on, I'm going Goldeneye, but. I think they're both perfect Bond movies, 
except the only knock I can make on Goldeneye is I hate the oh score so much in that movie because it's this really bad 90s techno music. I think if you replace that, maybe I go Goldeneye, but I am going Goldfinger here. Um, Tristan helped sell me on it. Um, I, I'm going to go Goldfinger, and we're going to we're going to advance the number one seed. But it is a close game. It took overtime, but Goldfinger advances. All right, and I promised Johnny he would get to kick off this matchup because he didn't really get to talk about Casino Royale last time. And we have the matchup to end all matchups. The two top Daniel Craig movies going against each other: Casino Royale versus Skyfall. Johnny. Mm. Let's hear what your thoughts. My thoughts on Skyfall um, and Casino are are this: uh, Casino Royale is is an amazing movie. It's well directed. Craig is insane. He comes into the role. This is the only movie of the whole franchise that I can say he came into the character knowing who his Bond was, and he knocks it out of the park. Um, I think he's more established as Bond in Skyfall. Um, But I think Skyfall, to me, has a few issues. Now, my number one issue with Skyfall is that I think while I do, um, I I love, 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 um, even though I'm blanking on his name, who plays Silva? Um, The villain? Uh, Oh, uh, uh. I always want to call him Benicio del Toro, but it is, it is not, not Benicio del Toro. It is, I'm pulling it, it up right is, now. Javier Bardem. Kind of a, so Javier Bardem, I think his scene, his introduction, his monologue about the rats on the island is so good. It's the my one of my favorite Bond scenes of all time. Um, my issues are uh, you get a lot of the super convenient writing into the plot and i don't love that you get the everything has to happen perfectly in order for this dude's plan to work you have bond chases him he's not supposed to be caught by bond bond chases him on foot they end up in this little room and then this subway train falls through it's just so convenient um and it's bad writing and that really bugs me in a movie when it's just poor writing uh to establish something like that so i don't like that I love uh, M as such a prominent role, but I don't like that there's not really a Bond girl in this movie. I would have liked there to kind of have been. I don't know how it would have worked story-wise, but when you go a movie with no Bond girl compared to Vesper, who is the best Bond girl of all time, that is not close to me. Um, I don't love, as much as I love Silva, for such a great character, you get the lamest death scene ever. Bond just throws a knife into his back. It would have been so much better if Bond pulled him off of M and stabbed him slowly um, and looking into his eyes or something like that because it seems so personal. Um, I would have loved that. That would have really made this matchup hard if it did that. But Casino Rail has everything I need in a Bond movie. Um, I don't love the outcome of the card game because it's just so ridiculous. But it's a Bond movie. It has to have some ridiculousness, and outside of that, it doesn't. Mads Mikkelsen is incredible as the Chief. Um, Eva Green is insanely good as um, Vesper, and I think it's the best chemistry we ever get between Bond and a Bond girl. You get my favorite part of Casino Royale real quick, because the matchups after this will will be quicker on. But 
when Vesper sees Bond kill those guys and she's traumatized and she's in her dress and she's in the shower and Bond takes her finger and he, and he, he licks her finger to show like the blood is not on your hands. Like this is not on you. This is not your fault. It, and it kind of clears her mind a little. And at the end when she's in the cage and she's drowning and she takes his finger and she does the same thing. I think that is the best actual um, writing and the best uh, like emotional moment that we get in any of these Bond movies. It's, this is not on you. This is on me. The blood is off your hands. I think you don't get a lot of that of something actually like coming back around a Bond movie. And I think that's incredible writing. I think it's so well directed and I think all the performances are great. Um, So I, this one is closer than I would have expected because I love Casino Royale so much. And I have a lot of love for Skyfall, but I think Skyfall suffers from some, we need to be a big action movie. And Casino Royale is like the Batman begins of the franchise where we're following up a shit movie and we need to really ground this thing and make it good again. And they nailed every aspect of Casino Royale. So I got to go Casino Royale here. All right. Tristan, we heard Johnny's thoughts. Where where are you leaning? Casino Royale, Skyfall. This is kind of the one people going in might have, I feel like 50% of the audience might have said, oh, Casino Royale's going to win this. 50% might have said Skyfall's going to win this. So, Yeah, I'm definitely like one of those 50%, Joe. Uh, and I would say that I follow along the Skyfall uh, 50%. Uh, both of these are honestly like so great. It's hard to say that one of them is the definitive winner over the other. But for me... Skyfall is just a bit more of what I go to in Bond. It has a bit more of the bombast, a bit more of the larger-than-life element to it, especially in the action. I think the action is just really big, and you get kind of Bond as, like, the the guy who's a little bit above it, a little bit, you know, and he kind of, like, has his little one-liners and the kind of jokes he feels very comfortable in the way that Sean Connery felt very comfortable in all of these moments. And whether he was internally or not, he gave off this really, this vibe of confidence as a character, and I love that, and I love that MSL prominent. I love that they kind of subvert a lot of what I mentioned, how much I love that they, these previous movies like Goldfinger established the tropes, but I like that this kind of sub- subverts them in a lot of ways. It doesn't have a typical Bond girl. It doesn't have a lot of the beats that you expect to have in a Bond movie, especially as uh, we're this long in the franchise and you feel like you know what you're going for. Uh, it subverted that while also really satisfying the fans. And I think that's a tough thing to do. So for that, I'm giving it a lot of props. Uh, Casino Royale, uh, a great movie. I think a great origin story to Bond. It really establishes the character in a way that none of the others had. We talked about that already. But yeah, for me, the win's going to be for Skyfall just because for me, that's more of what I go for in a Bond movie than the very serious kind of like we're taking ourselves seriously kind of movie that Casino Royale is, I think, a little bit too seriously. At least if I'm going comparatively one to the other, which one am I going to watch type of situation? <laughs> So for me, I'm going Skyfall. All right. I will say I agree with one of you uh, because I have to. Uh, one of these movies is my number one favorite Bond movie. The other one is my number two favorite Bond movie. And this is the closest uh, matchup we've had that I've had to pick pick from. I'll start off Casino Royale. I agree. Everything Johnny said. Great. Black and white opening, like I mentioned. We've talked about both of these movies enough. Skyfall. One moment would have pushed it over the edge, and if that is if Sean Connery was able, if the rumors and the theories and the speculation are true, that Sean Connery was like their original thought to play Kincaid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have liked it. 
I wouldn't have liked it. It would have pushed it over the edge, and it would have made me vote for it here, but that didn't happen. And so with that, I have to go for Casino Royale as uh, my pick to win between these two movies. So I cannot say that you're wrong, <laughs> even though I disagree. Casino yep. Royale advances to the next round to be in the final four to eventually face off against Goldfinger. And uh, with that, we have Quantum of Solace versus On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I will let Tristan pick uh, the you know his choice first. Quantum of Solace or On Her Majesty's Secret Service. We have George Lazenby versus Daniel Craig. Look, this is a prime example of this is not Tristan's bracket. Uh, two of these movies, two of my least favorite Bond movies, I think both have redeeming qualities and... I can't wait to rewatch Quantum of Solace after you guys have really hyped it up a lot in my head. Uh, I think it's one that I definitely want to give a second shot to. I also kind of want to give a second shot to Iron Man Secret Service. For me, I was let down by both of these movies, and uh, I'm going to have to give the the squeeze and edge here to Iron Man Secret Service because I think it does something a little bit interesting with the character and the way that it matures him and gives him a love interest that actually like pulls him away from the Bond life. I think it has a really iconic opening sequence that puts it above the rest. I also think it's really interesting that you have like this one-off kind of bond that got to do it once, and it was kind of his only acting role ever that was of any note, and he did great in it. So it's kind of this moment of really interesting, cool movie history. So I'm giving it to Honor Renacy Secret Service for the win here. All right, and if you've been following along, I'll go next, and I will say uh, Quantum of Solace. Uh I think these two, I kind of like the uh, Bond girl aspects of both, where you have uh, Tracy Bond has more of like the emotional connection, and they have the romance, and they eventually get married, where Quantum of Solace, the whole plot of the movie revolves around her and helping her, and it's not so much her joining James Bond in on the action, he's more joining in on her thing. Uh, but I feel like overall, the movie I'm more likely to rewatch, the movie I'm more likely to go back to is Quantum of Solace. So that gets my vote. And again, we go back to Johnny to split the tie. This is a tough one because I would say that these are the two most underrated Bond movies of the entire franchise. I think they're both movies that you need to watch multiple times to fully uh, appreciate. But once you get to that point, um, if you're a big Bond fan, I think if you watch both of these enough, they, they just like, they stick with you so much and they have so many elements that not any of the other Bond movies have. And I think sometimes that like uh, tends to get people away from them because they're like, well, this isn't like your typical Bond movie, but I kind of like that in it. You get so many of them that are similar um, and these differentiate so much from them. I, I think quantum, um, I think Honor Majesty's Secret Service is more important for the franchise. Um, and I think it's one that people are revisiting and realizing how great it was and how ahead of its time it was. And, yeah, maybe George Lazenby isn't great in it, but everything else around it is good. You get, you know, some memorable moments. And Telly Savalas is maybe one of my favorite villains of all the Bond movies is Telly Savalas' Blofeld. I think he's so good in it. But Quantum, like I, I mentioned with, with – uh, this in the past and we talked about casino i think it's a great part two to that i think it's a great follow-up it defied odds because it came out during the writer's strike and i think that actually helped it because daniel craig had such a big say in the in the writing and in his character that you really get to understand who he is 
And my tiebreaker here, because I think these are both excellent movies, these are both top five Bond movies for me. Um, mm -hmm. Quantum gets the tiebreaker because every scene between Bond and Mathis are so good. And Mathis dying and then Bond just dumps him in the dumpster and saying like he wouldn't have minded. I, I think that is like a perfect encapsulation of their relationship. And I like the, the Craig movies have all kind of tried to tie themselves together and be these connected uh, movies that you never get with the franchise. And I think Quantum does a really good job of that. And you get full circle of the story that Casino is telling that I, I'm going to go Quantum here because I think that's just one that I go to all the time and I will rewatch whenever I, I get a chance to. It's one of my favorite movies. So it's hard for me not to not to pick Quantum. All right, and that brings us to our final matchup of uh, this round. We have From Russia with Love versus The Living Daylights, and I will kick this off because if you've been following along, uh, you kind of know my thoughts on both films. I'm a big fan of Timothy Dalton's The Living Daylights. I'm a big fan of both of his Bond movies. Uh, From Russia with Love is not a movie I really wanted to get this far. It's not the type of uh, Bond movie I would normally go for, where The Living Daylights is more of my speed of what I'm looking for in a Bond movie, and so with that, uh, Timothy Dalton's The Living Daylights gets uh, my vote over Sean Connery's uh, From Russia With Love. And uh, so we potentially don't have Johnny splitting the vote again. I will go for him for his pick of these two movies. I love The Living Daylights. I think overall, if you look at a movie, it's more fun. You get the cello chase. You get, um, you get some fun moments with Jodan Baker. You get some interesting stuff. It, it has a big Indiana Jones vibe to it. And I like that about it. It, it reminds me a lot of Raiders. Um, if you look at the plot and how everything plays out, but again, for Mush with love is arguably the best made bond movie, the full encapsulation of the character. Um, you get red grant, um, in there. Robert Shaw is incredible in that. Um, so for me, as much as I enjoy The Living Daylights, and if, if you're like a casual viewer of these, maybe you have more fun with that. But when you have a super love for the franchise and you go back and you know the character and you know the story behind everything, I think For Much With Love easily uh, it wins this one. I think uh, maybe for The Living Daylights puts up a fight in the first half, but the For Much With Love blows them out in the second half. So I, I'm going to go For Much With Love here. All right, Tristan, I see you nodding your head over there. I think I know where you're going to go, but let's hear uh, your vote. Uh, much closer than Johnny is. Uh, Johnny said it was kind of a, a blown out of the water type situation, and I don't necessarily feel that way. I think Living Daylights has a lot going for it. It really rebranded Bond, and I think Bond has the potential to be rebranded every single time he gets recast, you know, to give us a totally different tone, totally different take. And Living Daylights, to me, delivers the most on that, of giving us a genuinely different take on Bond, something that we've never seen before with the character. And I like that about Living Daylights. But I want to have to go from Russia with Love on this one. I think it is just such a genuinely great movie. It's really watchable. And uh, for such a s slow burn, it, it is very watchable. And it has action that you get to towards the end. And, like, you get that build of attention. And you, you, you have the spy moments of Bond going through its hotel room, kind of prepping himself similar to Dr. No. You get that as well. But this is a genuine spy thriller. Everybody involved knows what they're making. There's no total confusion. Living Daylights has a bit of a tonal clash where – it's a bit campy in places, it's a bit serious in places, and for much of it, love, A to Z is like exactly what it wants to be, and it nails all of it, the romance, the action, and 
for me for much of it, Love takes a win here. All right, and that brings us to our final four. We have the number one Goldfinger going up against the number four Casino Royale. We have the number 15 Quantum of Solace, a nice little Cinderella story, uh, going against the number three from Russia with Love. So we have a one, four, a three, and a 15 seed all uh, making the final four, which should be an interesting, interesting, fun matchup. And I will uh, kick off our first matchup, Goldfinger versus Casino Royale. Uh, basically, uh, kind of get mo- most iconic, I would say, James or uh, Daniel... Most like one of the most iconic sh- of the Sean Connery movies, versus the uh, Daniel Craig movie that started off his franchise. Uh, you've heard our thoughts before. Uh, I think you know kind of everything we think about these movies, and you should know where I'm going because I have voted against Goldfinger for the last few rounds, and <laughs> I have been very pro Casino Royale. So I don't think I need to go on and on on why I'm picking Casino Royale. Tristan. I feel like I know where you're going to go. I know your thoughts, but I want to hear you say them. So what, Look, who gets your vote? My thoughts, hear, hear me say them, Joe. Uh, I love Casino Royale. I love Goldfinger. I mean, against any other movie, Casino Royale has a really, really fighting shot of even going against my opinion and selling me on it, but I think Goldfinger is just too perfect. <laughs> it's it's the, epit- the embodiment of Bond movies, not just like – in in bad ways but in great ways it's 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 perfect it's a great movie i don't know if this might be the last time i talk about it tonight so five out of five movie make make more like these make it more fun all right less crying and uh johnny you get to once again break the tie Uh, i love goldfinger it it has a lot of great moments and and um it's historic. It's very important for the franchise. It's, you know, why I went over nostalgia and chose Goldfinger. Um, but Casino Royale is the best Bond movie. It, it just is. And it, it's going to be hard to argue against it here. So I think it's Casino Royale. Just when you look at, yes, Goldfinger holds up for the most part, despite some problematic elements. Um, you watch it. It's a good encapsulation of, the filmmaking at the time casino royale is something that is and will be timeless and something that you can always revisit and it's fast paced but you also get all the emotional aspects and you get the great villain um the only thing i think goldfinger holds above it is you get that amazing henchman that you expect in a bond movie and you don't get that in casino royale um but overall i think casino royale just overall is the movie that I will revisit over and over and over again. I've seen it a million times. It's my second favorite movie of the 2000s. Um, that's 2000 to 2009. Um, right behind there will be blood. But I, I think Casino Royale is just, it has everything I need, not only in a Bond movie, but in a movie where Goldfinger has everything I need in a Bond movie, but maybe not in a movie. So my tiebreaker there is that Casino Royale, I think, kind of... Uh, breaks past that and is a stronger film overall. So I'm going to go with Casino Royale. All right. And it's a great encapsulation of the book, but also a modern version of it. All right. So Daniel Craig has won this battle, but will he win the war? Because we now have the second Daniel Craig movie, Quantum of Solace, going up against the second Sean Connery movie from Russia with Love. And uh, Tristan, what are your thoughts? Who gets your vote? Daniel Craig or Sean Connery? 
Look, I mean, I said all I could say about Quala Masalis. Didn't work for me. Going to go back and give it a try again. But for much of love, definitely worked for me. I've seen it more than once at this point, and it worked even better the second time through. And I think for much of love is like the embodiment of what this this franchise can strive for quality-wise. And you might tell me Quala Masalis is underrated. It's like the forgotten Bond movie that it's like better than people remember being that people should give it a second chance. But for much of love is a great, genuinely great top tier spy thriller movie. You don't have to give it excuses. You don't have to talk, but you're like, oh, well, the editing is really bad here, here, and here. But if you look past that, it's really good. You know, you don't have to talk your way to liking For Much With Love. It's just good on the face of it. So for me, I'm going with For Much With Love uh, over Quantum of All right. And Johnny, who are you voting for? Are you sending uh, From Russia With Love to the finals or are you creating a tie with Quantum of Solace? It's really hard because I personally, if I'm going to watch a movie between these two, it's going to be quantum. Um, but for Moshe with love, Dr. No was pretty big. You know, you get this guy, James Bond, people kind of know Sean Connery for Moshe with love is what made James Bond, James Bond. That was the huge hit. It broke every box office record. It was the biggest movie of the time. The meeting scene between Bond and Tatiana um, in the hotel suite is literally the scene they use when they bring in a girl to be a Bond girl. That is the audition scene. Every movie going forward. That's how they cast Octopussy. That's how they cast the movies nowadays. They use that scene. That's the audition. Um, And here, we're going into the finals here. I have to put away my personal bias, and I will say just the better made movie altogether because I can point to quantum and I can say it has the worst song. It has bad editing on the action scenes, but you watch it enough. You get past those issues for Mushroom with love. You watch it from start to finish. The first time around is perfect. You get an amazing song. Um, you get uh, just everything about that movie works. Red Grant is awesome. He's more memorable than any villain in quantum. Um, as much as I, I like the dude from Munich uh, as Dominic Green, um, I think From Russia With Love takes this uh, because it just is more um, influential to the franchise than Quantum will ever be known as, as much as I love Quantum, and I think I have it ranked higher in terms of like my personal favorite Bond movies. I definitely have Quantum ranked higher than From Russia With Love, but if I'm going, we're going bracket, we're going what wins, we're going what's the tougher movie to to beat it's from Russia with love. That is the quintessential James Bond movie out of the entire franchise. I think it's from Russia with love. So I'm going from Russia with love here as much as it breaks my heart. Cause I love quantum so much. All right. And I personally would have voted for quantum, but my vote doesn't matter. So that brings us down to the final match, the match we've all been waiting for Sean Connery versus Daniel Craig for the last time. Sean Connery, won the, the second battle, bombs. Daniel Craig won the first battle, and now it's time to see who will win the war. We have the number four ranked Casino Royale versus the number three ranked From Russia With Love. Obviously, everyone should know my thoughts by now. I've been singing the praises of Casino Royale this entire time, and I've wanted From Russia With Love knocked out since, let's see, uh, since it faced off against Tomorrow Never Dies in its first ever match. I'm not going to waste anyone's time. My vote clearly goes to Casino Royale. Tristan, 
Where are you going? What are your thoughts? Daniel Craig, Sean Connery from Russia with Love, Casino Royale, who gets your vote? I love Sean Connery. I think he is definitely my favorite bridge in the Bonds. And Daniel Craig, not necessarily my favorite. I think he he misses in some regards personally for me. Uh, but, I mean, Casino Royale is like a practically perfect movie. Uh, from Russia with Love is a great, great movie. It's in my top of Bond movies, of course, but I have Casino Royale just above it, you know, when I think Casino Royale, there's, there's, I look at it like this. If I'm talking importance to the franchise, I think you give it to Casino Royale as well. And I also think if, you, if you're talking just like me enjoying the watching of the movie, I think give it to Casino Royale as well too. I think if, if there's a reality where From Russia With Love is bad, but Bond is fine, you know, like they had a, a really good premiere movie. Maybe the second one kind of falls off a bit, but then Goldfinger comes around and kind of brings the franchise back on track, even if the second one kind of sucks. But if, if, if Casino Royale sucks and fails, I think there's a reality where Bond as a franchise dies then and there, and we never recovered on the show. I never watched it at all, and it, it just kind of like is a franchise that was really big when we were kids and our, and our parents were kids, but just kind of died and before we were fully into the movie world, I guess, at least for me personally. And it would have been said, I think a lot wrote on Casino Royale, and they not only nailed it, but they exceeded expectations and really pulled it off in so many unexpected ways. It's one that every time I watch it, I like it more, and I'm kind of shocked by how good it is every time I watch it. So from Russia with Love, definitely a great one. But if we're talking all-time Bond, we're talking the Bond movie. It's got to be Casino Royale. If you're going to watch any Bond movie, if you're like, okay, I'm watching one, and that's it. Give me the one out of the 20, what, 27 or so, however they technically are now, of Bond-adjacent movies. Give me one to watch. If you count Never Say Never Again, there are 25. Um, and if you count the original Casino Royale, there are 26, and this will be the 27th with No Time to Die. But there are canonically 24. Yeah, Eon going, going on films. potentially 27, depending on what multiverse you're in. But uh, yeah, if you're going to watch one Austin Bond Powers. movie, if you're watching one, it's Casino Royale. I think that is like the, the embodiment of what Bond is as a character. So for me, that's the Bond movie, the number one Bond movie. All right, Johnny, obviously uh, your vote doesn't matter. I feel like everyone knows where your vote would have went most likely. But what are your thoughts on Casino Royale as the winner of our bracket of Bond, our ultimate James Bond movie bracket, whatever you want to call it, whatever I decided to title it because I don't remember. What are your thoughts? It's funny because these are the – these for Mushroom Love and Casino Royale are my two favorite Bond books. So I'm interested that that those two made it to the final. Ian Fleming, as problematic as a lot of his personal views were, was a great fucking writer. And he is the reason the James Bond movie franchise exists. For Mushroom With Love was the first movie that Ian Fleming ever saw. Um, and Sean Connery and uh, the director both almost got killed by helicopters during the production. So that's an interesting aspect to that. Um, everyone watched bond documentary my 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 thoughts on this we'll talk about those today because we're talking about the movies but there's so many amazing stories about behind the scenes stuff with james bond films and um it's it's a reason that just brings my love to these but yeah casino royale just brings everything together um it was the first bond movie that i saw in theaters um i know i didn't i was too young to see a lot of the other ones in theaters i rented them uh from blockbuster r.i.p blockbuster um but Casino Royale blew me away when I saw it and has never ceased to amaze me ever since. It's the one I've probably seen the most. And 
as much as I love for much with love and as much credit I give for much with love to bringing me the franchise that I uh, adore so much. Casino Royale is my favorite. Um, I think this one, it was going to be tough to beat coming into it. I know if Bobby was here, he would have just really strongly agreed with us on Casino Royale winning. Um, Cause I, I know that's his favorite and one of his favorite movies of all time, not only bond movies, but I agree. It's probably my top five of all time. Um, and while for much with love is probably a top five bond movie, Casino Royale is a top five movie ever made for me. So, yeah. you know, it, it was a tough one to uh, get to the finals and just kind of have an easy sweep, but sometimes that happens and Casino Royale, I, I, I love it. Um, and I'm, I'm happy it won. I figured it would, we had some good fights in there. Uh, Tristan fought hard for Goldfinger, um, and it, it, it can be hard to go against that, but Casino Royale just has everything I want in a movie and a Bond movie. All right, Tristan, what are your thoughts on our bracket? How do you like the format? How do you like the concept? How do you like how some of these movies shook out and how far they advanced or maybe how far they didn't advance? Yeah, I had a really good time with this bracket. There were a lot harder choices than I thought there was going to be, especially when you get one or two upsets maybe not upsets to the overall seating but upsets to like my personal bracket and then you got to kind of on the fly think of these two movies that weren't necessarily paired up in my head i got to pair up now and it would be great to do a bracket like this again i don't know if there's another franchise that's even closest to being big enough to do this for but we could figure out a way you know there's genres there's there's ways to figure it out but overall i had a really good time with it casino royale i figured it'd be the winner i was coming in saying that that's definitely the number one potential winner knowing us knowing you guys taste knowing our ages generally i think people who saw casino royale in theaters early on uh this was my first bond movie and my first bond uh theater experience of course but uh yeah that shines bright for me and yeah casino royale a great movie i'm glad it won uh i'm glad that gold figure made it as far as it did you know i brought my fighting mitts for that one but i knew i, I, knew, I figured it's not going to make it past casino royale it's not going to make it past like one of, one of those all-timers, you know, but I got it far enough. Yeah, Goldfinger got to the final four. They can hang a banner in the rafters. You know, that's it's a strong feat. Uh, Casino Royale, obviously winning, I'm a big fan of. Upset that A View to a Kill couldn't go further, but it had a strong matchup in round one against Goldeneye, which was always going to be a tough, tough competition to beat. I'm sure me and Tristan were disappointed in that, but, you know, you can't if win you every game. If you paired A View to a Kill against almost any other movie in the first round, it, except maybe Quantum, because Joe and I have such a love for that. I think a View to a Kill would have, would have, would have upset some some movies here. Because I, I, as much as I disagree with you guys that it's like a top ten Bond movie and stuff, I have so much fun with that one that it's hard to disagree. Like if you say you love a View to a Kill, I'll never uh, kill you for that because I think I hope you don't kill me for a lot a, of reasons. A super fun movie. Let alone my taste. I mean, I'll kill you. Uh, for some reasons in the future <laughs> when we're facing each other in battle, but yeah, there's a whole list of reasons John would kill us, you know, plenty of movie opinions on there. A lot of movie opinions. You like avatar. You're done. You're dead. <laughs> um, what if we thought it was, but fine? okay. So real quick, we, we talked about the bracket, but what do you guys think just going through them? What was like your biggest surprise of this? What was a big surprise winner or a surprise loser? I mean, for me, as far as not being that big of a From Russia with Love fan, I'm surprised that got to the Final Four. Also, I'm surprised uh, the made Living... Made it to the Finals. Yeah, made it to the Finals. I'm surprised the Living Daylights uh, had some tough matchups. I mean, I mean, I guess the Living Daylights 
the problem was it didn't have tough, tough I think matchups. the Living Daylights walked through some easy matchups. It had, yeah. yeah, the man some with overrated the... ones. The man with the Golden Gun and Thunderball. Yeah, pretty was... easy matchups for that one. Uh, what about everyone else? Anyone else surprised by how far anything got her? I feel bad for Roger Moore, you know, despite having so many movies, he didn't make it to any of the final rounds there. But yeah, not a, not a great quality control on that. That's definitely a run where it really would have depended on what he went up against. Like he could have, like something like a video kill could have had a run just depending on what it went up against. But yeah, you put a lot of those movies up against any of the other Bond movies and it's hard to really make an argument. But I would have liked to see Roger Moore make a bit of a fight for it. And yeah. I also want to echo Joe's uh, sentiment that I was just surprised to see from Russia with Love make it so far. I like the movie a lot, but it, it seems to be one of those ones that's kind of like mid-tier on the rankings or even in the lower tier rankings from people. So I was I was expecting it to kind of get a one or two rounds wins and not, not to the finale. <laughs> so I was excited for that. Yeah, uh, Roger Moore is in, I believe, eight movies, which means he's in a third of the main canonical Bond movies, and he didn't even make the Elite Eight, while uh, George Lazenby, with his one movie, got into the Elite Eight. So that's uh, pretty impressive. Um I guess it's kind of just do one one good one and bounce, where Roger Moore just did eight kind of okay ones and bounced. So. Yeah, I, I would say my, my biggest surprise, I'm not surprised that the Craig or the uh, Roger Moore movies didn't advance super far because those are ones that are mostly, um, that was just in the era that they weren't making amazing Bond movies. They were just copying, super copying. Like they still do, they, they were like, okay, what's popular? Let's do that. Um, the Roger Moore movies were what's popular. Will we just throw ourselves into that big time? Uh, so I'm not super surprised those didn't make it too far, but I do have a lot of love for most of his uh, movies. I honestly think my biggest surprise here was, um, I don't know. It, it's tough because my top five Bond movies, as far as I rank them, are Casino Royale 1, Quantum 2, GoldenEye 3, On Her Majesty's Secret Service 4, and Goldfinger 5. So all of those had pretty good runs, and For Mush With Love is 7, and Skyfall is 5. So, like, all of those made it. I think Dr. No losing so early is a big surprise, just because we, Joe and I have a love for Quantum, but if you're looking at this list, Dr. No, it's my 8th-ranked uh, Bond movie, and, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in it, but quantum making it through that might surprise a lot of people um but yeah i i think uh i don't know overall i think we we did a good job we we you know picked a lot of movies that deservedly went in maybe we surprised some bond fans with uh with a couple picks here but for the most part you know i i think some movies you look at them in rotten tomatoes wise they're higher and then when you look at like actual watchability Maybe not as much. Um, I would have liked to see do a kill, go on a run, matchups, but both of them had tough matchups. So, you know, you throw Octopussy in there against Honor Manager's Secret Service, it's tough. You throw off, you do a kill immediately at Goldeneye, it's not there. Uh, maybe my biggest surprise for me myself was picking Goldfinger over Goldeneye, but Tristan really did a good job of selling me on Goldeneye throughout the bracket. That by the time we got to that matchup, one of my favorite Bond movies of all time is Goldeneye, but I can't argue with anything Tristan said about Goldfinger, and I can't argue about the um, influential uh, aspects of, of the film. So I did like that it, it kind of came to the end, and we got to 
two of the most influential Bond movies ever made with Casino Royale, which saved the franchise, and From Russia With Love, which made the franchise. So I think those were deserved finalists, but I would have liked the final to maybe be Goldfinger and Casino Royale, but it just didn't work out that way on the bracket. It was a good final four matchup, but it maybe would have made it a little more interesting if we got to the finals and there was a little more weight on it. Um, that that would have been uh, that would have been good. But Doctor No being the two seed and going out so early really kind of hurt that whole right side of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Quantum of Solace kind of ran into that buzz. So, if, does anyone else have anything they want to add to our uh, episode? I'll say what um, real quick because we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast that I was on, but what um, we're going, we have these one through twenty four rankings. Where do you guys expect, I won't even ask where it lands in all of the Bond films, but where do you hope that No Time to Die lands in terms of the Craig movies? Do you want it to be top two? Do you think it'll be top three? Do you think it'll be the weakest? Do you think it might be just above Spectre, nothing special? Um, where do you Where do you think or predict that might land for you? I think for me, it'll probably land somewhere in the... Uh, between I have Skyfall at 2 and Quantum at 3 and I think it'll land in between those two with Casino Royale obviously at 1 and just because I've heard I know you don't want to be see too much reviews but one of the things I've heard is you do feel the length a little bit and I feel like especially for me that would drag it down um, so I think that's probably where it will land is not quite as high as Skyfall but higher than uh, Quantum okay Tristan, what about you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I haven't seen any of the reviews, so I have no idea of like what is coming in terms of quality. And uh, but for me, I'm expecting it to probably be in my number two for Craig. At least that's what I'm hoping. I can't say I'm expecting, because who knows what it is. I'm not gonna say I'm expecting it to be good or bad. But for right now, I'm kind of hoping for it to be number two, and that would put it under Skyfall above Casino Royale for me, because I think if it can nail a finale to Bond, like the way the Casino Royale is an origin to Bond, if I think if this is genuinely a really powerful, good finale to Bond, I think that would be really a cool thing to have within the franchise. So, you know, essentially, like, this is an ending you can do. No matter where you are in the franchise, you can be like, okay, here's my finale. Here's, like, the whether it's the death or the retirement or kind of, like, the however it is that they decide to end Bond here, I would love it to be sort of an emotionally satisfying finale to the character. And that's something that Craig... As a, as a portrayal uniquely has, because none of the other Bonds have been able to do like a beginning, middle, and end story. And although I don't like that Bonds, or that Craig's story reached all the way back and said like, oh, it's all connected. I wish it would have just been like, oh yeah, our like three, four movies are connected. We don't really want to connect everything. But it'll be nice to see how they pull off an actual ending. Like this is a finale, not just to Bond as a character, but to Craig's version of the character, to that storyline. Bonds never quite had like a finale before. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they pull that off. And that could be up in the top tier. Or if they fail like Spectre, how Spectre tried to pull off the shared universe and flopped, this could be something way at the bottom if they try to end the character and it's terrible. <laughs> but I'd hope for it to be in the in the, in the the top there. So give us a good ending. All right. Yeah, for me, my, my prediction of it is, and my expectations, I, I think for me, it will be really, really tough, almost impossible to pass Casino Royale or Quantum, how I feel about them at this point. I almost view that as a 
Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 situation at this point. I count them kind of as one movie. Um, but I want this to be a one that switches off between 3 and 4 with Skyfall. I want it to be just as good as Skyfall. That's what I'm hoping for. I love Skyfall now. It took me a few viewings, but I think I just want right off the bat, No Time to Die. I love it, and I want it to be right in that range, and maybe Skyfall passed it some days. Maybe No Time to Die passed it other days, depending on what I've watched more recently. I think that's kind of my highest expectation for what it will do. Um, I do fear that just because it's so long that it will be maybe closer to a Spectre, but I don't I don't think so. I, I really trust the direction here. Um, with Fukunaga, Fukunaga, that I, I think this will be a well-made movie. I worry a little bit about Rami Malek because I don't always like him in movies. Um, he's very hit or miss. So I'm interested to see. I'm I'm super excited for it. Um, it feels like so long since we've gotten a Bond movie. Six years. In theaters. It, six years. Wow. And, you know, it's just crazy. My one prediction for it that I think I'm changing on, because we talked about our predictions for it, I said it's going to feel the most like a Mission Impossible movie. I still believe that. I changed my prediction from, I thought it would end with Bond either driving or walking off into a literal sunset. I now am starting to think, because we talked about this when you asked about the Dr. No thing, I think it's going to be a virus as like the main villain plot. And I am starting to think that Bond might die at the end of this. I think he might get the virus, fight through it, defeat the villain, save the world, and then we see Daniel Craig's Bond die. I, I'm getting closer to believing that, and I don't know how I'll feel about it if if that's how it goes. I just think that is how, what the way they might go. You see a quick shot in one of the trailers, and his hand looks all infected. That's what has me thinking that. So... I think I'm changing my prediction of him walking into the sunset, which I would prefer. But I'm if they pull it off right, I think it could be interesting if they kill off Bond. Because like Tristan mentioned, we've never gotten a finale to a Bond series. So if they do it, I hope they do it well. Um, but I'm leaning more towards that way. I, I think that uh that might be that might be uh what where they go. So I, I'm interested to see it. I, I requested the day off work on the release date, so I'm seeing it day of. If we don't have a podcast next week, it's because I'm watching No Time to Die <laughs> at night and not doing the podcast. Um, I was gonna say, Johnny, I also have the day off, so we could jump on, do it immediately live review afterwards. It'd be a fun one to get perspective on. Definitely. Definitely. I'd be down for that. So we could definitely do a uh a Thursday night review. That's the day I'm seeing it for sure. So we shall see uh, what happens with that, but I'm ex- I'm so excited for it. I I just I've needed a Bond movie in my life for so long, and a new one every time. I just get amped up, and it's Bond Day. It's Bond Day. I, I just you know I'm excited. So that, right. that I think kind of ends what what do we have to say? All right. And Johnny says he needs a new Bond movie in his life. Well, hopefully next week he will be getting uh, ten Bond movie. Well, only six because uh, I'm gonna knock out Tristan in the first three <laughs> rounds. So. Uh, Johnny will be getting potentially somewhere between six and ten new Bond movies in his life when me and Tristan face off against each other, pitching reboots to five Bond movies. Uh, and that'll be next week. And however, this Friday, uh, or sometime this weekend, I'm not sure on Tristan's schedule, we haven't talked yet, uh, we will be doing another episode of our Disney Plus Weekly Review where we will be talking about today, 
well, Wednesday's episode of What If. Uh, we will probably be talking about the Boba Fett poster and release date. And uh, anything else that drops on Disney Plus this week. Um, you can also watch out on there for, it's not quite Disney Plus, but it's Disney adjacent. I'm going to be seeing Venom opening weekend, so I'll be giving you a review of Venom, Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> I'll be suffering through not, it for you, so please, please watch yeah, in, in my, not looking great. My, uh, my support. All right, so uh, I think that wraps up our show for today. Uh, without further ado, uh, goodbye. Thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate it.